0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome everybody to a special edition of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy as always to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, 2019 was filled with some solid Transformation Tuesday episodes. Many dads dished out some awesome advice on getting fit and staying in shape. Obviously, so many great interviews are not included in this collection, so I would encourage you to scroll through the archives and revisit all of them, including two-time Britain's Strongest Man, Scott Reed, four-time World's Strongest Man, Brian Shaw, even the NFL's Most Fittest Man, Steve Weatherford, joined me on the podcast in 2019. So go through the list and you'll see all of the dads here, the fitness fathers that joined me. But as for this collection, it includes the top five most downloaded fitness father interviews of 2019. And we started off with number five, Jason Kalipa, who is a CrossFit phenomenon. He is a world champion CrossFitter, a fellow podcaster as well with Coffee with Kalipa. So Jason Kalipa comes in at number five. Number four is Chris Powell, who is the former host of Extreme Weight Loss. Chris and his wife Heidi have been and continue to be responsible for millions of weight loss transformations around the world. Chris Powell at number four. At number three, you will hear from Aaron Singerman, who is the founder and CEO of Redcon One, which focuses on supplements and protein bars. Redcon One has exploded to become one of the most popular and trusted supplement companies, and my interview with Aaron Singerman exploded in the downloads, making it number three on today's list. Number two is Mark Bell, who is a former pro wrestler, a powerlifting world record holder, and a highly successful entrepreneur, referred to as the Meathead Millionaire. His invention of the slingshot has revolutionized the weightlifting game. His popularity online has helped this interview soar through the rankings on iTunes, making him number two on this list, Mark Bell. And finally, at number one is the rhino, Stan Efferding, who is the founder of The Vertical Diet. He is also the inventor of The Cooler, a product which he took into the shark tank and left with a mega deal. Stan is a powerlifter, a bodybuilder, and so much more. My interview with him was my most downloaded Transformation Tuesday episode of 2019. Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed this collection. Tomorrow, I'll be hitting you with the top five most downloaded fighting fathers of 2019 so lock it in for that and please remember to help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life fatherhood rocks family values rule and every day is father's day right here with me and i'm going to be right back with the top five most downloaded fitness fathers of 2019 i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood Nothing beats an American flag made in the USA, right? Well, how about an American flag made in the USA by veterans out of duty-worn fatigues from all branches of the military? That is exactly what you get with combat flags. Combat flags are handcrafted from duty-worn fatigues and offer a tangible piece of freedom to the American people. Each flag is accompanied by a professionally designed and printed card that tells the story of service of a soldier, marine, airman, sailor, or coastie who wore the fatigues used to make the flag. They are the real deal, Dad, so what are you waiting for? Visit CombatFlags.com and use the promo code FATHER and First place Fatherhood listeners will save 10% off their purchase. Veteran-owned, American-made. CombatFlags.com, promo code FATHER.
1: Joining me now, First Class Father, Jason Kalipo. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
2: Ah, uh, no, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have two kids. Um, one is five and one is eight. Wow, okay, awesome. What type of uh, sports or activities are they into? Um. Let's see. Well, I mean, my daughter, who's eight, she's the older one. She swims. Uh, my son's kind of into everything right now. He's currently doing track and field. And um he likes DMXing. So those are that's kinda like uh yeah, their favorite thing to do is probably jump on the trampoline though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, very cool. Jason, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
2: So I uh competed professionally in sport of CrossFit for about a decade. I uh own and operate gyms um throughout um California and then also globally for corporate wellness. We do a lot of that. And um And, yeah, that's, I mean, so a professional athlete and CrossFit, business owner, and uh, married my high school sweetheart. We have two kids, and uh, that's what we have going on. Yeah, awesome.
1: And how old were you, Jason, when you became a father, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life?
2: Let's see. I was, I got mm, 25, so 5, 6, and 8. Yeah, I was 24, 25 when my daughter was born, and, you know, it changed. It obviously changed everything um you start recognizing that you're doing things for for a different reason now and you got to be really careful not to be selfish and to make sure you're doing the best you can obviously not only for yourself to become happy but also for your family and that your relationship with your wife is so critical because if you guys don't have a good relationship then there's nothing for the you know your relationship needs to be strong and then therefore the relationship with the kids just builds off that and it's something that you know we've really learned over the years it's been excellent
1: Yeah, very well said. And I know you have a a podcast, you're on there, Coffee with Khalifa. And I I just seen you put up a a post there about a story about the uh, Japanese house builder and how we're kind of of building our own houses every day. I thought that was really cool. I think it relates a lot to fatherhood and raising kids. So so what are some of the ways that you kind of try to build your house with your family every
2: day? Well, I mean, for me, you know, we've had a really kind of interesting life. Um, You know, at a relatively young age, my wife and I got married we started having children and I was trying to balance competing professionally in CrossFit while also, you know, running a multinational business and then having kids. And so I've had to learn how to adapt and evolve to that and and make sure that, you know, things that I'm trying to pursue are, you know, I'm constantly evaluating, hey, am I doing the best I can in these specific areas? But when you talk about building your own house, you know, it's like every single day I think it's a good chance to say, hey, how am I – you know, having these micro check-ins with myself—hey, how am I doing as a father, as a business owner, as an athlete? This way, I'm not going to have these huge epiphanies when I turn 50 or 60 or whatever. Um, is something I think about on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? It, it seems like right now, Jason, there's like a kind of a split on social media between like uh, blaming other people for our circumstances, and then the other side of taking ownership for everything in our life, and I. I can't call it, but it seems like, the, you know, the favor is tilted towards people, you know, the victimhood and blaming others. How can we kind of get our kids, you know, to take ownership and responsibility for their own actions at an early age?
2: Well, I mean, it's something I tell my kids, you know, well, I mean, they're five and eight, so they don't really get it all the time, but it's that, you know, no one owes you anything and that if you want to get out there and you want something, you've got to go out there and put in the work to receive it. And I think that's really important for us to teach at a young age is that, you know, There's going to be times you're going to win. There's going to be times you're going to lose. And you could learn a lot from the times you lose. But ultimately, you know, this sense of entitlement, I'm really shaking it out of our kids because, again, if they want something, you need to learn to go get it. So, for example, um, you know, we own gyms. So if my daughter wants something special that obviously isn't like a, you know, if it's something she wants and doesn't need, I'll say, hey, you know, work a couple hours at the front desk and I'll go ahead and, you know, pay you for that time, and then you can go ahead and buy whatever you want, right? That's your money. You earned it. And or, you know, those are the type of things we try and instill in the kids at at a young age without being too crazy about it, you know, just kind of laying the foundation in a very soft way I think is important. And, you know, I think exercise is something that's really important to talk about as well is that I think one way we can show our children hard work is through showing them through, you know, working out in your garage or at the gym, if you, you know, if you work in your garage, kids don't know what it means to work hard, like answering emails or being on phone calls, but they do know what it means to work hard when they're watching you bust your butt and sweating in the garage. And I think that'll hopefully transcend later on that if you wanted to get in better shape, you got to put in the work.
1: Yeah, well said. And I try to, you know, instill that with my children as well. And one of the difficulties with doing that is the fact that there's so much negativity involved on the internet, on YouTube and social media, um, I know I know your kids are young yet, but how do you kind of handle the technology with your children, like as far as video games and all that type of thing?
2: Well I mean I think with the video games, I mean my children don't I mean, first off they're only five and eight, so they're not really into that kind of stuff. But I I, I don't know if I'm fortunate or I don't know if we instilled this, but we um but we don't do uh they don't really use any any real technology. Um and that's something I'm really grateful for. I mean they every now and then I mean they have iPads, they just they aren't that intrigued by them. Like at dinners, um, it's kind of cool. They've been they've become more about conversation than they are about just putting on a set of headphones and, and watching an iPad, which I think is really cool. I don't know. I I think I'm partly lucky that they just don't seem to be interested in it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'll tell you what. It has definitely caused a little bit of a crippling in the communication department amongst this younger generation of teenagers and, and college kids. I, I see it as I drive, I drive Uber on the weekends, and uh, I see it all the time. It's all, a lot of the communicating is done. You know, strictly true to phone,
2: even though they're sitting right next to each other. So it's kind of weird to see it. Oh, it's it's super sad, and I think you know, I think we're losing some of that. You know, and and I think it's really important for me. You know, I have I um, I wrote a book called As Many Reps as Possible, and I believe in this concept of Amrap mentality, where you know you want to be present and focused on whatever you're doing. And I think what's happening right now is there's all these people who are you know having dinner with somebody, but they're on their phone half the time. Well, it's like to me, it's like either go have dinner with that person and be present and have great conversation, or be on your phone, but don't do both. Like, you pick. I'm not telling you what's right or wrong. I'm just saying what's tough is when, you know, someone's trying to do a workout, but half the time they're on their phone. Well, it's like either work out or be on your phone or have a conversation or be on your phone or go to work or or whatever, but try to be all in on whatever, whatever kind of facet of your day you're going through. I think it's really important.
1: Yeah, well, so I think a lot
2: of us struggle with that. Either we're either we're you know in the office
1: and our mind is at home, or we're at home and our mind is in the office, and it's hard to kind of stay present unless you uh, you know put a little emphasis on focusing where you're at. So, I mean, that, that's difficult too. Now, listen, I have a four-year-old daughter myself. She's my baby. Uh, your daughter was four years old when you found out that she had cancer. What what was the reaction to that news from you, and what could you kind of maybe say to other parents that are listening that may be facing a similar sa- situation right now?
2: Well, I mean, I think it goes without saying that that news was pretty, you know, pretty cr- crippling, right? I mean, it was pretty it was pretty uh, extreme. That being said, um, I think because of the foundation that we had laid as a family, I think that we attacked it with a full purpose. And what I would say to anybody going through that right now, well, what I would say is that it goes by quicker than they think that I wish them all the best, and if they need additional support, please to reach out. But I think the more information I'd like to share is with people before they get bad news. So my thing is is that one of the reasons why I feel like our family attacked this struggle so well is that for you know a decade, my wife and I had learned to cope with challenging times as I competed professionally in the sport of CrossFit. I would learn how to cope with it in the moment, she would learn how to cope with it by watching somebody she loves going through such a challenging time, right? Right or, you know, good times and bad times. And so we developed a really strong relationship where we were really focused on each other. We learned how to overcome adversity through fitness, through working out together and pushing ourselves. We learned how to use positive self-talk and compartmentalize these things. So that when our daughter was diagnosed, the natural intention that we came to was, you know, let's, let's overcome this just like we do through, you know, overcoming a workout, only on a much, much, much grander and serious scale. And so my, my recommendation for anybody would be, you know, this AMRAP mentality, kind of being present and focused on what you're doing and utilizing exercise as a tool to kind of strengthen your mind so that if something does happen, you're in a better position to overcome it, I think is key, and you can start doing that today. Yeah, very well said,
1: Jason. And I was saying to you before, I just recently did an interview with uh, Eric Reese, uh, uh, the Jesse Reese Foundation, and it was tragic to hear about his daughter Jesse. But at the same time, in a way, it's a, a big blessing because she has touched the lives of so many people and continues to do so. Um, I know you're involved a little bit w- w- with the uh, uh, team Nigu. What, what was that? What does that experience feel like to
2: you? How did you get involved with that? Well, I mean, I got connected through Jordan Palmer and you know, he had uh you know, when once Ava got diagnosed, he's like, Hey, I got this guy and so I remember the first time I called Eric, I'm like, Hey, you know, I have a decent, you know, kind of platform, I've I've kind of there's you know, I have an audience and I wanna get behind this and I wanna help families and uh I'm I'm very serious about this. And this was this was pretty soon after she was diagnosed. And I said to him, I said, But you know, I'm pretty sensitive to where our money goes. I want to make sure that our money actually goes to the kids and not some fluff. And, you know, he just kinda said, he's like, Listen, this, this, this charity is, is named after my daughter. And, you know, the last thing I would ever want is for someone to criticize where the money goes with my daughter's name on the organization. And I, it just was a really heartfelt moment that we were having on the phone where, you know, this guy has gone through a huge, huge, huge struggle in his life, and he now wants to help other families, and his, his heart is in the right place. And so I knew his foundation was in the right place. And so that's how we got partnered up, and, and uh, we've been partnered ever since. And my family and I have, have raised quite a bit of money for their organization. We're really proud of what we've been able to accomplish.
3: Yeah,
2: and God bless you for what you're
3: doing.
1: And I think it's a, that's a struggle for a lot of states. I think a lot of the majority of people want to give uh, to c- certain organizations. And uh, the big question is, where does the money go in a lot of times? So that's why I think it's awesome, like, even just – having somebody like Eric in the field that's doing this because we know his heart's in the right place. And I think having the Internet is good in that sense where we can actually do a little research and find
2: out now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think his company's the right size. Where, you know, if you're talking about the Red Cross, you know, these large organizations, you know, they have expenses. And they, I get it. But his organization's big enough to make an impact, but small enough to keep it lean, which I think is is where I like to kind of see my money go. Yeah, definitely. All right, and, and
1: since you are, you know, you're so big into the CrossFit. I know that you're obviously very disciplined as an individual, but how are you as a disciplinarian when it comes to handing out the discipline with your kids as a father?
2: Um, <laughs> um, you know, my wife is probably a little bit more the discipliner than I am, but I don't know, man. We don't, you know, I, I – we don't really come down on them extremely hard. We like to um, lead by example, and we like to obviously tell them what's right, what's wrong, and, but kind of lead more by example, like, you know, having manners, you know, looking people in the eye, uh, you know, stuff like that, just kind of old-school mentality in that way, but just by showing them and then encouraging them over time. And, and that's kind of the way we, we kind of parent. Um, we don't really, you know, we don't, like, spank our kids. We don't, like, put them in their room. We, we just haven't had to over- do that yet and uh, maybe in the future we will, and I don't judge any family that thinks that's the best way to do it. It's just at this point what we try and do is just lead by example, and um, when they're really messing up, you know, kind of sit them down and explain the why behind what we're, we're trying to focus on. Yeah, very cool. And what was the genesis of you, Jason, getting involved with CrossFit
1: and starting your whole uh, journey into that? What was, like, the the spark that got you involved in that?
2: Well, I mean, I I, I, had, I was working at the conventional gym, and then a friend of mine introduced me to this kind of new methodology and I fell in love with racing against the clock. I fell in love with having a clock and saying, hey, how many reps can you do in this amount of time? And I recognized you can get more work done in less time and that really fired me up. And so that's that's how I got introduced to it and I started competing and then kind of the rest of this history just kind of kept kept opening gyms and competing for a long time. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's been an amazing career here so
1: far. Yeah. And, and- if you could, if you were restricted to do just one exercise a day for the rest of your
2: life, which exercise would you pick? Um, I would uh, – a dumbbell thruster for sure. I mean, or a burpee. So if you have no equipment, um, I would just do a burpee. Um, you know, you drop to the floor, do a push-up, stand back up again. If I was um, – if I was uh, – you know, if I had equipment or access to dumbbells, I would do a dumbbell thruster where I squat down, I stand, I press over my head. And really, what I'm thinking about is movements that move my body a long range of motion.
1: Okay, very cool. All right. Well, you've had so many accomplishments already in your life. What do you have right now? What kind of goals do you have for yourself? But if you any more kids in the works for you guys, all done. Or (laughs) kind of what plans do you have for the future here?
2: No, no, no. We're done with the kids. So, so two and two, and we're we're feeling we're feeling good there. Um, And uh, as far as we're concerned, you know, just trying to optimize everything we're doing. Right. Just trying to ask myself on a regular basis.
4: You know, am I doing
2: the best I can to, you know, be a best father, be a best business owner, and, and be a best husband I could be? And I figure if I continue to ask myself that on a regular basis, those daily check ins, those weekly check ins, are going to, you know, keep me following, like, towards that true north and, and get to where I want to get to. And I don't even know where that is yet. I just think the constant reflection of what could I do better. And I think the key for me is, you know, just kind of really being there all in with the kids when I am with them and being all in at business or being all in with my relationships, trying to have date nights, and those kind of things have really been helpful in in maintaining strong relationships.
1: Okay, well said. You may have answered it a little bit in our conversation here, but last thing I want to hit you with, I usually love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new father or for that about-to-be dad who's out there
2: listening? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I would just say that no one has it all figured out and that you can read every book you want but that at the end of the day, every child is going to be different. Every situation is going to be different. And that's okay, right? That's, that's the fun in it. And I think that um, not to stress yourself out by so much like, of these social pressures, but to do what you think is best for you and your family and to, um, you know, just to sit there back and just say, hey, am I being a good dad? Am I doing the best I can? And if you can answer that with a yes, then you're, you're on the right track. I think that's really important. And I think that if – but I also think at the same time, you've got to look yourself in the mirror, and if you're being a dirtbag, you gotta tell yourself that, you know, because that's not okay. You gotta be there, and you gotta, you know, you gotta hold that relationship with your wife super strong, so you guys have a strong front um, to to raise the kids with. I think it's really also a, a key element to not forget about your guys' date nights, so you can still act like you're dating again, and um, which I think carries over to the kids. Yeah, great advice. I love the message. This has been an honor for me.
1: I gotta say, uh, you're a first class father, and Jason Khalifa, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on
0: first class fatherhood. Oh, thank you very much. Great to be here. All right. And joining me now is a first class father. He is a former professional bodybuilder. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He is the former host of the reality show Extreme Weight Loss, which had five successful seasons. It is a big privilege for me to say, Chris Powell, welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
4: Thank you, Alec. Good to be here, man.
0: Okay, let's start right here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? we got four. They are 14, 12, 7, and 5. Okay, yeah, I'm right there with you. I have four myself. What type
4: of uh, sports or activities are they all into? (laughs) Well, uh, boy, it it ranges. we got the full gamut. So our oldest is into football, basketball. Um, We've got him in MMA as well. And then our 12-year-old, she's into gymnastics. She did a little bit of dance this last year, but she's, she's got about six years of gymnastics based behind her, so then she wanted to go back to gym. And then um, our seven-year-old, he's into football, basketball, baseball, MMA, and we actually we put him in dance uh, a year ago, and we, we could totally talk about that, but it's wild. Like, we actually put him in ballet and hip-hop, and it took the rest of his sports through the roof. Like, unbelievable. It's so cool to see how it transitioned over. Then our littlest one, she um, She just does dance right now because she 's five. All right, very cool. Sounds like a
0: talented family. Now, do you get involved with coaching at all, or do you like to
4: enjoy all that from the sidelines? <laughs> i I find that I am most effective only from the sidelines. <laughs> as a coach, they do not listen to me. <laughs> you know I, and, and I love to participate, like I'll always go in the, in the backyard and I'll, I'll run routes with, with the boys, or I'll go in the garage, and I'll, I'll help the girls on the on the balance beam. Um, or, you know, I'll just come to class, and I'll just kind of hang out and watch and see what's going on. But uh, it's so much easier for them to take direction from a coach who is not their father.
0: (laughs) All right, please. Take a minute here, Chris, just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
4: Yeah, you bet. So I'm, uh, you know, I came up as a personal trainer, and uh, the title that's kind of been given to me is a transformation specialist. Uh, I ended up landing a gig on... um, on ABC's Extreme Weight Loss, well, actually, my wife and I created the concept for the show after we'd been uh, helping folks through the journey of, you know, uh, weight loss transformation. We're talking 200, 300 pounds, and so for, for five years after we created the show Extreme Weight Loss, we were the hosts and trainers on the show and uh, helped on, uh, on national television, helped about 76-ish people through a, a one-year journey of transformation to help them lose, you know, 150 to 250 pounds and uh, the show ran its course the contract was up about three years ago and we actually started building a huge digital platform to help everybody around the world transform so it's been a, it's been an amazing you know a 10-year ride uh well it's actually been about 20 years in the making and um it's just been it's been amazing and, and extremely rewarding
0: yeah, incredible, and you have made such an impact on so many lives here, Chris, but how did the experience of becoming a father kind of change your perspective on
4: life? <laughs> well, see, I became a stepfather first, so I went from like zero to 500 miles an hour overnight, and so um, when I met Heidi, we actually met at a self-improvement seminar back in uh, December of 20, 2008, and um, so she was the mother of two amazing little kids, that was Maddox and Marley, and they were they were two and three at the time. And she was just learning, you know, how to be a, a single mom of two kids. She had just been divorced for about maybe eight or nine months at this time. Neither one of us was looking for a relationship. It was I mean it was a self improvement seminar. So we were just looking to, to better ourselves and, you know, we we met, actually became really good friends first. There was there's no, you know, there's no talk or even thoughts about future. Or anything like that, because we just had a great appreciation for helping each other you know through the the dark times that we had been struggling through and um, you know and, and to be totally honest with you uh, i I'd, I'd been a bachelor for you know thirty years of my life, and so it terrified me to to have a developing friendship and even you know a, even more of a, uh, a a deep interest in this amazing woman who was like becoming you know she she was already such a great friend but I was starting to fall in love with her but the fact that she had two children scared the heck out of me because I didn't I didn't know anything about kids I didn't know anything about being a father so um it for, for me it was absolutely terrifying and um but then you know over six seven eight months just seeing her with her children and and the relationship they had the connection that they had like for me that was that was actually one of the most attractive parts about her. And it was something that, it, and it took about, you know, it took a couple of months for it to kind of sink in, but I, I realized that, like, there's nothing to be scared of at all. Like, it's the, the connection between a parent and a child is just such a beautiful thing. And then, you know, for, from that point on, is just realizing that, hey, you know, like, I, I this is something that I'm, I personally feel like I, I, I want to embrace. Like, I'm ready for this. Now I just, you know, I wanted to see if we could make something happen. And, you know, as, as our relationship, you know, blossomed, you know, as, as it grew, um, I became, you know, obviously more and more a part of Max and Marley's lives. And um, and then before you know it, you know, as, as soon as Heidi and I, you know, made the, the decision to become, you know, to be committed, um, you know, I I accepted the, the role wholeheartedly. I just, I just had a, a huge learning you know, a huge learning curve to grow, to grow on. And, um, and boy, I mean, it was, it was great because at two and three, and then at, of course at the time Maddox had, had turned four, so they were two and four. Um, you know, they taught me the ropes really fast. And it was great to have Heidi kind of guide me along the way. So it wasn't like two parents for the first time, you know, you bring a baby home from the hospital, you just kind of have to figure out how the whole thing works. It was great because she had been through four years of parenthood, so she could kind of get me up to speed. And then I actually had like a real live, you know, uh, <laughs> I had two, two kids to, to to teach me those ropes real quick.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And I can certainly understand how that could be overwhelming right from the onset. There. Now, what has the relationship been like between your two stepchildren and your biological kids? Um,
4: you know, it was it was really it was great as kids because you know when they're two and four years old. There's no filter they're just they're in the world to learn and to grow and to love and to have fun so it was it was really good, but as they got older um it was really interesting because there actually was not you know there wasn't any at the time any crazy like um conflict at all between like me and their father or anything like that, but it was interesting to see as they got older around you know five six when they're like started to it started to to click in their minds like oh mom and dad are not together anymore and chris is here in my life and i want to i want to show chris love but i don't want to hurt my dad's feelings and i want to show my dad love but i don't want to hurt chris's feelings so it actually around like about six years old traumatic so we started having talks with him about like hey we all love you. Like, how lucky are you to have three parents that love you so much, you know? And so, you know, to, just to try to, to let them feel and, and let them know that this is okay and it's, it's totally comfortable and that, you know, they're actually, they're lucky to have so many parents and, you know, to kind of help shift their per- perspective so they didn't start to feel any kind of divide there. And, um, and then for Marley, she was so young. Because Maddox, he was still old enough to kind of conceptualize when mom and dad split, and he's a really intelligent kid, so he, he remembered some of that. And then for Marley, she was just so young, she was just kind of kind of lackadaisical, and so she just goes with the flow. But what was really neat was that when Cash, our, mine and, and Heidi's first biological child came along, um, the whole, it really brought our family together. And... And it was it was so cool because Maddox and Marley they felt total ownership in their little brother and and I was the I was his father and so it we just it was it's amazing and we had heard from other parents who had been through something similar, you know, coming from a you know, a a divorced couple with kids and they said as soon as you have a child together, it brings a family together. Like it it, it just changes the dynamic. In the most wonderful way, and um, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened, and it was amazing. I and mean, then when Ruby came along, um, even more so. And it's just and now it, it like we truly feel like and, and I mean we always have been, but it's just really cool to see how it's it has bonded all of us so much more.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome, Chris, because right now we have a fatherless problem in the country, and it's so wonderful to hear you talk about a philosophy that says, you know, children can have three parents that care for them and that love them. I think that's a beautiful thing, and it is possible.
4: No, absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, um, and obviously, like, the whole fatherless problem, it's, it's massive, you know, especially the fact that a lot of these kids, they just don't have that guidance from – you know, that, that dominant male figure to show them what is and what isn't okay. Now, granted, you know, a lot of amazing moms out there are stepping up to do something about that, but it's still missing a very, a very important component, a very important piece that a lot of kids they're growing up without, which is devastating.
0: Yeah. And we are seeing what happens as a result of that. And it's not pretty. And to be honest with you, Chris, I think it's the biggest problem that we have in our country right now. And I believe that if we could just, you know, strengthen our family units and nourish our family values, most of the problems that we're seeing in our country uh, would simply start to go away.
4: 100%.
0: All right, and now obviously you are involved with transformation and weight loss, which is a big struggle for a lot of dads out there, especially the dad who's working multiple jobs, he's coaching, he's always involved with his kids, he's pressed for time, and not having time is probably the number one excuse for most guys that don't start the process here. So uh what would you say is a decent exercise routine that most dads can squeeze into their
4: schedule here once they have made the commitment to losing weight? Uh, well, great question, and I mean... <laughs> I guess it's it's so appropriate because I actually just did this literally like ten minutes before I jumped on this call um i'm I'm dealing with that this morning we actually we woke up we literally yesterday is our only day home in like the next fifteen days and we're leaving for the airport again in like three hours, so i'm crunched on time. I literally just ran out to the garage I just did ten minutes of interval sprints on a uh on what's called an airdyne bike or an assault bike and um and honestly. Um, that's really, that's kind of what my workouts have become as of recent, because uh, for all the dads out there who are just absolutely slammed, first and foremost, you're not alone. <laughs> Join the club. It is it is absolutely crazy how, how busy our lives get between, you know, family and work and kids' sports after school and all this other stuff. And so, yeah, we you just, you've got to get in what you can when you can. And less is more. And, you know, you you see a lot of these workouts, these workout programs, and, and I've been there where it's like, you know, I'll walk into the gym and an hour and a half later I'm walking out. And right now that's just not a reality in my life. And I know that it's like that for millions of dads out there. And so what what you can do is what you can do, if if that makes sense. And so it's I'll literally carve out maybe five or ten minutes and I will do – um, you know, I, I've got, I mean, granted, we, we do have a little gym set up in our garage, which is very fortunate. I know a lot of people don't have that, but, you know, for years, I just had a little pull-up bar, one of those $30 pull-up bars I bought at Walgreens over my, in my door jam. And I would seriously, I'd just take 10 minutes and I would do, you know, five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. And I'd do as many rounds of that in 10 minutes as I possibly could, or say I had 15 minutes. That's all you got to do. I mean, that's, you're hitting every major muscle in the body. You're pushing, you're pulling, you're squatting. And, you know, and when you're doing it multiple times, you know, for as many rounds of 5, 10, 15 as possible in 10, 15, 20 minutes, that's a monster workout when, again, you're stimulating all the different muscle groups in the body. And then as you're going through that, there's a massive cardiovascular response. So you're getting everything that you need out of that. I mean, you're, you're legitimately, I mean, that is, a, that is an intense workout session. And you're, the, the results are tenfold from, from something like that. But then, you know, just now I had 10 minutes. So I, you know, and I do have access to a bike in the garage. Or, you know, if a dad out there is, is living in an apartment complex, they've got a little fitness center or, you know, an apartment with a little fitness center down below. Or if you have gym access, man, I'll literally run in there and I'll just do 10 minutes of sprint. I, I went 30 seconds high intensity, 30 seconds low intensity for 10 minutes. And I I feel good. I'm awake. I have... You know, I've, I've pushed a ton of oxygen into my bloodstream, so I'm getting a, l- a lot more oxygen to my brain. I was able to drain the glycogen stores out of my glutes, quads, and hamstrings. So, you know, it's like, you can get so much benefit just from what you've got right there at your fingertips. Um, and, and a lot of people, they, again, they think they gotta carve out 45 minutes to an hour just for some kind of workout in the day. You really don't. And, and, and I, I assure you that I, like, mark my words, it just, 10 to 15 minutes, if you can just give yourself that or sometimes even five, just five minutes, it's five minutes more than you would have ever done in the first place. So whatever you can get in there, if you can just carve out a little bit of time every day for yourself, it's not just going to reflect on your health, but the sense of accomplishment that you'll you'll feel from that just from doing something, it's going to reflect in the way that you treat other people, and especially it's going to reflect in the way that you treat your family. So I, I don't just do it for my benefit. I do it for the benefit of my wife and my kids too.
0: Yeah, well said, Chris. And that's some great advice there because, I mean, it does get overwhelming to schedule in time to get down to the gym, dedicate an hour to this each day. And many times people get discouraged even by social media because everybody on there is working out all the time. They look sculpted. You know, it looks like it comes so easy to them. Uh, So somebody that's not getting the results right away could easily get discouraged. And I know that now you have this transformation app. What could uh, how could that be helpful to dads out there that are listening? And what was the genesis of you coming up with the app?
4: Well, so the, the genesis of the app was when, when we were doing our show, um, it was such an incredible opportunity. And our show was airing just in, in the United States. But what happened is that Warner Brothers actually ended up buying the rights to our show. And they sold it to 148 countries around the world. And when that happened, all of a sudden, you know, we went from getting maybe a 1,000, maybe, uh, now I would say, a few hundred emails from people asking for help every day to about a 1,000. Um, and it was literally, and we were only working, but we, could only, we were maxed out working with 15 people a year. That was it. We would select 15 people, take them through transformation. And we've collected over a million emails from people begging us for help to say, like, how do you do what you do? And that was, it was heartbreaking for us. Everyone's like, well, that's a great thing. No, it's not. When you read these stories and you, you hear about the, the dark places that people are in and the hope and they're just looking for something, they're motivated, they're moved, they just need to know how to do it, and they don't have it. And so that was a huge pain point for us. And for five years, we couldn't build what they needed until we had to wait for the, the contract on the show to run out. And while we loved doing our show, it was such an amazing, beautiful experience for all of us. Um, As soon as the show ran its course, we went, we brought on a full development team, we started staffing up, and we built this massive digital platform in the form of a smartphone app. And soon to be, we're going to be releasing a web version of it. And um, the goal of it was to take anybody through the journey of transformation so it's not just weight loss because we have so many people coming to us that just want to, they want to gain 15 pounds of muscle. They just want to lose and shred down the, the final ten pounds. They wanna they wanna get fitter. They they wanna just focus on wellness and mobility. And so we end up building, we, we shot it took us three years to build this thing. We've got over fifteen hundred videos in the app guiding people through. So we have everything from just bodyweight exercises with modifiers for the elderly and for the immobile all the way to bodybuilding workouts, to craft fit, and cross-training workouts. Um, and we built the whole thing out. And so there's, it's all done in three-month phases. And for any direction you want to go, whether it's weight loss, bodybuilding, or, you know, physique, or aesthetic training, or cross training, um, there's, there's eight three-month phases. So there's nearly two years of training where you'll never do the same workout. Well, you'll never do the same workout twice. So, I mean, we've we've poured so much into this. And then on top of that, we've got these fully customized nutrition plans based on you and your personality, like nine different templates to choose from. And then when, when you jump into the app, you enter your biometrics, your age, weight, height, gender, your preferences, what is that you want to do, how you want to – the body that you want to create, whether it's weight loss, lean and shredded, muscle gain, main, like maintenance and performance. And then it generates a full program for you as in – It'll. There, we've got like 550 meals in this app, of individual meals that each meal will get scaled specifically to you and your custom macronutrient ranges. So the amount of proteins, carbs, and fats that you need every single day. So, so say say we choose like a strawberry French toast. We've got 14 different versions of that strawberry French toast. One will be scaled specifically to you, Alec. One, one will be scaled specifically to me. One will be scaled to Heidi. One would be scaled to Mary in Kansas. And, and it, it'll actually, it's, it'll feed you just what you need to reach your goals. And then on top of that, we got, there's a library of 850,000 foods that we got in there. So you, when you jump on there, you can pick any food you want. And what you do it's it all, it's, it revolves around macros. So you just simply make it. It's like Tetris of food. So you, you simply eat the amount of proteins, carbs, fats that your body needs every day. You pick whatever foods you want and just make them fit in there. Or if you want, we'll select the foods for you that will automatically fit. And all you got to do is fill the circles every day, and over time you're going to reach your weight loss goal, or you're going to reach your body, your your muscle gain goal, or whatever it is that you're looking to do. It tracks everything along, and we actually, you know, what's really cool is that, you know, I, I talked about it in the show we were we were doing fifteen transformations a year. And now, since we've released, we just released 2.0 of the app back in October, we're doing 42,000 active transformations right now, wow. which is, for us, this is what we've always dreamed about building. And the best of all, we're just getting started. So it's just, it's been um, just an amazing experience for all of us. And it just feels so good to finally be able to offer the world what they've been asking for.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, Chris, and I will include a link in the description of this podcast episode, so if any of the dads are listening out there, they can just tap the link, get over there, and download the app. What uh, other thing on this, Chris, I know a lot of people always look for the quick fix. Some of them get the uh, surgeries. I had a very close friend of mine, co-worker, a young dad, he decided to have the sleeve surgery. He ended up dying as a result of it. It was very tragic. I know that sometimes even people that lose massive amounts of weight in a short period of time, that can cause, you know, all kind of disastrous health results as well. So how much weight is too much weight to lose at one time and how do you feel about all
4: these weight loss surgeries that's a great question um as far as how much is too much to lose there's no one answer to that um but but the one thing that we do always aim to to do um is that we're we're always as as far as as for us in our philosophy because we are trying to help people lose it um you know, whether they've had a surgery or, or not, we're always looking for them to lose around 1% of their body weight every week. And so if someone's, you know, 400 pounds, we would love to see them lose about 4 pounds a week. And then you think, well, 4 pounds and 400 pounds, they got a long ways to go. I, I tell you what though, time flies. And when you're losing 4 pounds a week consistently for 6 months, you know, you, you you do the math on that <laughs> as far as you know, they've if they've been doing it for, for twenty six, what's twenty six times four? I mean six months in, that person's lost over a hundred pounds. You know, and that's that's a really incredible, you know, that that's that's beautiful transformation right there. And it's totally safe, it's sustainable, and it's it's in in the eyes of the medical industry, that's healthy. Now granted I know you'll see some people when they've got, when they've gotten a gastric sleeve or you know a roux en gastric bypass or, or whatnot. I mean, you could see them lose ten, fifteen, sometimes you know eighteen pounds in a week. And what typically large losses like that are fluid losses. You'll see just a lot of loss of fluid early on. That's why all these different diets—they'll tell you, oh, you'll lose you know six to ten pounds in the first week, then you lose one to two pounds. It's because that's just—I mean, we have to abide by the the laws of physics, and also the rules of physiology. You know, as as unique as our bodies are, they're still all programmed in a very similar way. And we also have those checks and balances that prevent us from starving ourselves. You know, so our, our body's got those built-in checks and balances that, that have helped, helped us survive through famine and, and starvation. So um, it's really important we kind of find that that sweet spot to to help the the human body lose weight in that safe and effective way. Um so yeah I the the rule of thumb we always follow just to circle back to it it's usually about 1% per week and if you can do that um first and foremost you're not killing yourself to lose 1% a week and it is absolutely sustainable and doable and if you can just stay that course in the long run it is um it's it's 100% sustainable it's awesome.
0: Yeah, great advice right there, Chris. I appreciate you weighing in on it. Now, getting back to you as a dad here, you have two children with Heidi, and you are the stepfather of her other two children. So how are you as a disciplinarian? Uh, does your style change between the two? Uh, is it the same for all the kids? I mean, uh, how do you kind of handle discipline as a
4: father? Gosh, I hope I don't upset anybody here, but you know what? I mean, it, it, <laughs> it is what it is. I, I am definitely a disciplinarian. But the thing is, like, both Heidi and myself are, but I'm I'm like the last line, and so you know if, if it really comes down to it, she'll say, "Hey Chris, get in here." Maddox has done this, or "Hey Chris, get in here." This is what I'm dealing with with, with cash, and so I'm I'm usually I'm I'm the I'm the last one <laughs> that, that's you know to the scene, if you will. Um, so here's we have three rules that we live by. There's there's three things that we demand. Of our children, and those those are hard work, respect, and kindness. And you can ask any of our kids any day, what all you have to do is say you say pow pack three things, and they will rattle off hard work, respect, and kindness. And those those are the tools that we want them to have for the rest of their lives to be successful. And so um, hard work. If 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 they're being lazy, and if they're not. and they're intentionally not working hard or even subconsciously not working hard, but they're just being overall lazy, that is met with a, we we will simply double their workload so that they understand that that's not okay. Or it'll also be met with a grounding. If they're trying to take shortcuts in life, then they will absolutely be grounded and will double their workload. Respect and kindness though, um, in, in their younger years, um, uh, th- this is where, and I and I know again, it's it can be a little bit controversial, but um, I I did grow up with parents that, that would spank me, and so um, I have followed that suit, and especially it was it was interesting because before I had kids, I I always told myself I was like, no, you know, I'm not interested in spanking. I'm gonna I'm gonna rationalize with them. I'm gonna talk them through situations and try to explain stuff to them. But I quickly also realized that that doesn't necessarily land with, you know, a four-year-old or a five-year-old, especially if if they're being disrespectful, they're being unkind, or most importantly, unsafe. So if they do something extremely dangerous, they also, they need to experience swift consequences. And I know there's a lot of people that might disagree with me in the way that I handle it, but I also must say that our children are amazing. And I have yet, we have yet to have gone to any public place where someone hasn't commented on, their demeanor, their behavior, their respect, their kindness toward each other and toward themselves and toward other people. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's the best thing to do, but it's it's worked for us and it's worked for them. Um, and and honestly, if you ask them, they they they'll, they'll tell you straight up that they wouldn't change a thing either.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Chris, and it's almost sad that you have to say you don't want to offend anybody by saying it. I mean, I believe it's a form of discipline that is effective, and, you know, and of course there is a major difference here between spanking a child and beating a child, and I think spanking a child, it often gets, uh, you know, positive results, it gets your point across very quickly, and it's effective.
4: You know, it does, and especially in the younger years, and I mean, like, for <laughs> take, take a kid like Maddox, Maddox is 14 years old, he's almost six foot two. like, he's looking down on me. We're beyond the spanking years, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. and, but the thing is, we don't need to anymore, because you know we we've already we've been through that. He understands the importance of respect and kindness and safety, and and so now we're we're at a point where I can not sit down and he and I can have an adult man to man conversation as to why this isn't okay, and you know where you went wrong and what we can do to remedy the situation and, and how you can you, how you can make amends. So say you did upset someone, say you were disrespectful, he can actually go out and clean up the situation now. As a man, he can. And so it's, we, we quickly transitioned out of that when he was like 11. And so, but, but early on, when I mean, they just don't understand those consequences. Sometimes they just need something swift. And it was, it was funny because before, you know, say like when Maddox was like seven, they'd be like, um, okay, you did that, you're grounded. I should be like, okay, I'll be grounded. Does that mean I'm not going to get a spanking? <laughs> so, and, and sure enough, he was totally thrilled about that, but it didn't make a, a, a lick of a difference in his attitude toward other people because the, the consequence, he wasn't scared enough of it. And we're like, yeah. we're like, how many things can we ground him from? You could, you could have grounded him from anything, his favorite things in the world. He didn't care. But if you're like, "Hey, if you do that, you're going to get a spanking," he'd be like, "Okay, okay, okay, okay. So, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, what can I do to change?" <laughs> you know. So, and it depends on the child and their personality. Whereas like Marley? Marley's a people pleaser. So when it comes to disciplining her, it'd be all I'd have to say is, "Marley, I am really disappointed in you," and I mean, it, that just crushed her. You know, she just, uh, yeah. I didn't need to. She doesn't need a spanking or anything like that. She was disrespectful or even unsafe. All you have to do is like, you know, and so it really depends on the child and their personality as well.
0: Yeah, very well said. I agree with you 100% on all of that. All right, you've had so much success here already. What type of goals or plans do you have for yourself here for the future?
4: Oh, wow. So... My my goal right now is so it's so crazy. We've been so wrapped up in business and life has gotten so crazy. Um, I I was in bodybuilding and I got into it for about three years and it was a wild ride. It was so much fun. Totally transformed my body. Um, And we actually we we put the whole bodybuilding program inside the app for other other guys and other women that actually want to follow along with it. Like you know want to create a bikini body, etc. But. I I'm, the one thing that I was not diligent about in my bodybuilding was my stretching, my mobility. So I literally I just bought this massive yoga package, and I'm committing to yoga three days a week for the next six months. And I am it's been I'm two weeks in, and already I can feel a difference in in my posture, in my lower back. I got a herniated disc in my lower back, and so I can already I'm just feeling my body opening up, which is amazing. And then I'm actually going to transition from that back into uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about a year and a half. Um, when the show ended and we started working on the app and then things just got so crazy busy, I, I wasn't able to, to make the class times anymore. So now that I'm getting some flexibility back, I'm, getting, I'm going to be getting back into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and um, just having some fun with that. And I, I definitely found... For me to be my happiest version of myself, not for, not for the sake of myself, but for the sake of my, my family, I've always got to be working on something. I have to be somehow you know, improving myself. And so yoga and then Brazilian jiu-jitsu, those are my next big projects.
0: Yeah, very cool. I do believe you have to have dreams and visions. I think it's Proverbs 29, which says, without vision, the people will perish. Uh, so I think it's so important that we have
4: goals. Absolutely, um, it's, and it's so true.
0: Okay, last thing I want to hit you with here, Chris, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening?
4: Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> for the new dads and the about to be father, I, if there's anything I learned from the process is that as far as your role goes, especially in about the first, I would say nine, nine months to a year of life, is to be the the greatest assistant to your wife that you can possibly be because your role is slightly limited when it comes to taking care of that baby because it's you know, it's gonna be her job, you know, she can feed it and whatnot, but man, be there to change those diapers. Be there to let her sleep so you can so you can bottle feed that baby if if you need to. Um, you know, just be there when she's you know, when she's wrapped up with this baby at two thirty in the morning and she's feeding him Hey, what can I do? Don't just sit there and sleep. It's gonna build resentment on 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 her side for sure. So, you know, she's gonna be exhausted. You're gonna be exhausted too, but just like whatever you can do. Um I, I quickly learned that with, with our with my our first biological son, Cash, and so I was like support and a half for for our, both Cash and Ruby. So again, it's like, man, whatever you can do to be there for your wife in those first in that first critical year. Um just don't let her feel like she's raising that child alone because it's gonna it'll it's gonna beat her up a lot if she feels like she's doing this solo, you know, while you're sleeping and she's just, you know, burning the the midnight oil with a crying baby. So pay your dues too and step up every chance that you possibly can. Not, you know, for the baby's sake, but really for the for the sake of the relationship that you have with your wife, because the whole dynamic has changed, you know, and and it's not just you and her anymore, which is a, it's a, it's a big awakening for a lot of people. But with that dynamic change, um, you guys are going to be, you're now partners on a whole new level.
0: Yeah. Very well said. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Chris Powell, you are a first class father. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class fatherhood.
4: Thank you so much, Alec.
0: Okay. I'm back with some closing thoughts in just a second here. Dads, are you tired of taking supplements that never deliver? Well, Redcon One was created to ensure that you get real hardcore products that deliver real results. Trusted by four-time world strongest man Brian Shaw and founded by supplement entrepreneur Aaron Singerman, Redcon One is crushing the industry. You have to try their MRE bars, which are packed full of nutritious food sources that will replenish your system when you need it most. And they taste so good, your toddler will think they're eating a candy bar. But we're talking whole food meal replacement. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% on their entire order from Redcon 1. Simply use the promo code FATHER at the checkout. So let's go, dads. For the highest state of readiness, choose Redcon 1. Visit Redcon1.com, use the promo code FATHER, and save 20%. Joining me now,
1: first-class father Aaron Singerman. Welcome to First-Class Fatherhood. Thank
5: you, buddy. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they?
5: <laughs> I have three kids, three sons. I have a a one and a half year old, a three year old, and a six year old boy.
1: Okay, um, wow. Yeah, I got I got I got three boys, and then we got the girl on the fourth try. Any uh, any shot for you there to try to go for the girl? You're safe with safe at home here with three. I,
5: I would like to have as many as my wife is willing to have. I think it's safe to say. We'll go for four, uh, and after that, I'll have to start trying to convince her all over again. Okay, very cool. What type of uh, sports or activities are the boys into? Oh, uh, well, my oldest one, my six-year-old, does a lot of things. We have him doing a – he loves a, I come. my wife comes from a very musical family, and I have some some musical talent in my family, although I'm, I'm not uh, talented with music. But uh, my son does singing and piano, and then he does uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, golf, uh, and soccer. So he's very active, uh, little guy.
1: Yeah, very cool. Um,
5: all right, Aaron, if you could just do do me a favor, take a second
1: here and just hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
5: Sure, sure. So, um, so basically, I uh, I was into bodybuilding as a kid. From 13 years old, I was very inspired. My dad and I watched uh, Predator, and I remember thinking when when Arnold put his hand up to stop everybody, you know, the fist. I was like, holy shit, you know, that's that's what I I want to look like. This guy, right? and um and i got into working out at that age i had no idea what i was doing but i knew i loved it i knew that uh, i was you know more interested in that than i was in sports you know in when fo- football we would always you know do some training with weights and i was more interested in the weights than i was the football so um i kind of pursued that along the way i've had some bumpy times you know i've had uh, some drug addiction in my past and some really uh tough times um in my life which is a whole another story to get into but I came back to, when I, when I got back to real life and I got my shit together, I realized the only thing that I was passionate about, the only thing that I really felt strongly about, other than uh, my family and stuff, was, um, was bodybuilding and fitness. And so I pursued bodybuilding and fitness with everything that I had, and I got a job um, initially doing a podcast like this one called Off-Topic Radio, and that led me to uh, have the opportunity to work for a guy named Dave Palumbo, and I traveled the world, kind of like, imagine like Bob Costas of Bodybuilding and Fitness, so i traveled the world um sometimes you know quite a bit more more on the road than at home and um i uh, i travel the world and on the on the on this traveling i actually met my wife who is a bikini competitor uh at junior nationals which is a, a a amateur show on the way to becoming a professional show and she was a competitor a bikini competitor i met her along the way and uh once i met her you know we quickly i quickly realized that she was the one for me we uh we got married a year later and uh we had a surprise kids. So 6 months into dating, we got pregnant, uh which for a lot of a lot of people and for me any other time in my life would have been a disaster, but because I had met the right girl, it ended up being the best thing ever. And so we got married real fast in a year. We had Asher 6 months after or a little less than 6 months after we got married. And um that really propelled me to um instead of just enjoying my passion and being grateful for making enough money to pay the bills, you know, pursuing my passion I became uh, obsessed. I used that same part of uh, my personality that has uh, that has the ability to be addicted to drugs and be really obsessive, and I focused all that on making sure that I could provide for my family and, and my my new son and my wife. And so I went from um, basically being the Bob Costas to being the uh, the general manager of the uh, it was the editor in chief we called it of the um, the multimedia website that covered the bodybuilding. And I quickly found out that um, there's not a whole lot of money in that either. But there is money in sports supplements, which is part of um, part of being a bodybuilder and being interested in fitness, especially these days, you know, protein, creatine, amino acids, pre-workout, et cetera, right? And since there was a bunch of money in that and there's a lot of opportunity, and I already know a lot about it. I kind of transitioned over to that where originally I was a marketing director for a company and then I was able to start a company. That comp- company became the um, the 27th fastest growing privately owned uh, company in the country. And I eventually was able to sell my shares in that. I had a partnership dispute, left that company, started the company I'm in now called Redcon One, which is, uh, I would say, the fastest growing sports supplement company in the history of the world. And, uh, you know, well on our way to being the biggest sports supplement company in the world currently. So it's been that was a very snapshot, very fast version of everything that's happened. But, but basically, um, I've been very fortunate to do stuff that I love and look forward to uh, my job and, and my work and uh, also provide a great living for my family and uh and create a great family
1: yeah what, what an incredible journey aaron and um you know I, i've had several I, I try to do these like transformation tuesday episodes here i've had like stan Efferding and mark bell and other bodybuilder type guys on mm-hmm. uh, just, just i know a lot of dads out there they do struggle with cutting weight staying in shape a lot of guys work in multiple jobs coaching sports getting involved in stuff so they don't have the time so they do look for these um you know, for the quick fix, they want to take the supplement so that they can, you know, get in shape and just sit on the couch as well. So, um, are, are these supplements are, are they state are they safe for the dad to take? That that's sure. not a, a gym rat, and and uh, what are like the side effects of them?
5: So, for sure. Um, first off, I got to say, unfortunately, there is no supplements that can allow you to sit on the couch and relax and still look good. You know. Hard work and diet are more important than any supplements. So there's nothing. If I could make something that could allow uh, me to lay on the couch and watch uh, sports and, and have a six pack, I'd be, I'd be a very rich man. <laughs> um, but yeah, our supplements are completely safe. We're sold in Vitamin Shop, sold in GNC. We're sold on all the military bases around the world uh, by, by the United States military. Um, our products are tested, and uh, one of the big things these days is you have to make sure that you. Uh, that you are completely compliant because um, if you're not, you won't have these opportunities like DNC Vitamin Shop, Military, com, Amazon. So our supplements are not for gym rats, for, certainly not exclusively for gym rats. You know, we make protein bars. The number one protein bar at Vitamin Shop right now is the, is the MRE bar, uh, which is made by us. So you know what? They're, they're a great solution to help to supplement what you're already doing, but they're not, definitely not a solution. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, all right. Getting back here to, to your three boys, like I said, I have
1: three boys myself. Do your boys, do they all share the same room, or do they have separate rooms, or how do you work that out?
5: So they have my littlest guy, um, who's uh, 18, a little older than 18 months now. Um, he is uh, in his own room, and uh, he couldn't be, you know, he's still it, not able to, he doesn't have his own bed, you know what I mean? He can't climb out. We wouldn't want him to. Aiden, my middle guy, he and Asher both have their own rooms as well, but they sleep together. So um, this is like a new thing. we got bunk beds for Asher, uh, my oldest. and So now they are sleeping together, which is good because we don't have any other bedrooms. So if number four or when number four comes around, and hopefully it's a little girl, I wouldn't want them all to be in the the same room either. So it kind of works out that the two middle guys, the oldest and the middle guy are are already kind of like bunk bedding together, you know. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, we just actually separated. My, my older one just turned thirteen, so we're, we're
1: just on the onset here, of the teenage year. So we just gave him <laughs> his own room. So uh, yeah, yeah, we're bracing for impact here
5: for that. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I can. I I was such a bad teenager. I'm hoping that I'm doing all the right things um, to to prepare Asher, uh, my oldest, and me and my wife uh, to uh, to have it not as bad as it was for uh, for my parents and me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and. I- And hearing your story there too. I mean, I've struggled with addiction
1: in my life as well. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've had some addiction uh, struggles myself. So I hear you on all that stuff. Um, what what was the what was it like for you? Because for my wife and I, I gotta be honest, going from one to three, uh, going from two to three kids was the was the biggest challenge that we faced oh, yeah. because our oldest two weren't enough to be independent on their own. But after that, three yeah. to four wasn't so bad. So, how, what was the hardest transition for you so far? Definitely,
5: I think you're right. I think too. So, um, you know, having just Asher and Aiden, it's one man to man coverage, right? So it's not that not that bad, and uh, and they're pretty close in age, the, the two of them. Uh, so it really wasn't that bad. I mean, there's still certainly struggles going out to dinner or doing anything with him, traveling on a plane, you know, where it wasn't like, we're was stressful. But adding a third one in, um, especially a, a little guy, you know, so now my, my oldest, who is six, um, who's almost seven, he's seven in September, he's, uh, he's pretty, like, self-sufficient. I mean, I wouldn't leave him in the house by himself, but he can, like, get a, I mean, he goes, to the, he's a great swimmer, so we can bring him and Aiden and his three, they're both great swimmers, they can go to the pool by themselves. They can wake up in the morning together and go down and watch TV together, you know, um, but you throw in a little guy who needs everything, you know, who's not capable of doing anything for himself yet or basically anything for himself yet. It uh, it definitely adds a different, another layer of complication. And it's funny that you said that. I, I can imagine, you know, I, I, can, I can only imagine, but I can imagine four wouldn't be as big a jump because you're already kind of used to the craziness that's, that's three, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely, and and the bigger advantage too is that the older ones,
5: uh, like you said, yeah. by the
1: time a fourth would come around, your oldest is already almost self-sufficient. That that helps yeah. out a lot because then they help out with the baby, and it makes right. it a little bit easier.
5: Right. And my, it's funny. My um, my oldest is great with uh, Elijah already. You know, he'll pick up my little guy and carry him around and kind of look after him. He is worried about him. You know, it, uh, he uh, he's constantly like concerned about his little brother, whereas his middle brother, you know, Aiden, he doesn't. They don't get along. <laughs> they'll they'll fight each other, wrestle. You know, it's like a much different relationship. So I can only imagine how um, how my oldest will be with uh, the little little one. You know, the, the little girl, hopefully.
1: Yeah, that's what's awesome about it is that you know, of my four, they're all four different personalities. They all require a little <laughs> bit of different finesse, style of parenting, and, and and discipline is something I always ask the dads about. um, what kind of disciplinarian are you as a father? Are you a, a spanker, a timeout guy? You got them doing calisthenics when they're in trouble. What kind of disciplinarian?
5: <laughs> um, I am. I am. I leave all options open, so uh, I have no problem with uh, uh, giving him a spank or whatever. It just doesn't happen a whole lot, uh, but I have no problem with that, and I think that sometimes that's what's required to to get their attention, especially if you know three little boys. My guys are pretty crazy too, so. Um, I can tell you, like, the times that I have had to, like, I'm mean, going to use Asher in particular, but laugh, I, I'll give a great example. So Asher, um, this was about a year ago or so, Asher um, came up to me and said that, um, he, or he was going outside, and opening the door. And I said, well, what are you doing outside? And he said, uh, Mommy said I can go outside. And it was, like, 7 o'clock. And it didn't seem right. Like, where is she going to let him go out at 7 o'clock at night? So I said, hold on. And I went and asked her. And she goes, no, I didn't say that. And uh, I told him, uh, put out your hand. And he put out his hand and he was all nervous and I told him I'm going to hit your hand <laughs> and uh he was like petrified and I, I basically gave him like a high five on the back of his hand you know not nothing that would really hurt him or leave a mark and man that made such an impression on him to this day you could ask him about it he remembers the whole thing um and and he knows you know like he remembers if you say remember how you lied to your mom He's like yeah you hit my hand you know it and and that was such a little thing that really didn't do anything but it made a huge impression on him and uh you know, I think sometimes when things are that big, like that was important to me that he was flat out lying. He literally asked, did not even ask his mom and told me that he did. She, so that was enough for me to make an impression. That's a, like a learning moment, a teaching moment, and I, and I took it. It worked. Yeah,
1: it, it does. It definitely is effective, especially when when they're not old enough to communicate yet and understand. that they 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 respond a lot better to that. And I'll tell you what, as a father though it is difficult to kind of get over that i mean i know it's a lot different now than it was years ago like my father never spared the rod so it was like um i <laughs> i i have a little bit of difficulty
5: but i do see that it is effective so um you know i agree with you there yeah yeah you got you know I, my big thing is like i uh, use that so sparingly that it's uh, that it, it's really impactful you know what i mean and my parents were like that with me I got spanked and stuff like that, um, but uh, it, he never, my dad and uh, my mom never really could do anything. I was always a big kid, so my mom never really, you know, she hurt her hand hitting me, uh, but uh, literally, but my but my dad, you know, he did it so rarely that it meant a lot, you know what I mean? When you saw my dad mad uh, like that, you knew he meant business. He wasn't constantly screaming at me or constantly hitting me because I feel like that, then it loses its impact and it becomes something else altogether, you know? Yeah, great point. Yeah, well said. And, and tying this all back into what you do here, uh, what is a
1: safe age? I know you said you got into this at a young age, thirteen. What do you consider to be a, a safe age for kids to really start hitting the, you know, hitting the weight right. room, pushing pushing real weight around? And, and what age do you think is a is a safe age for them to start taking supplements like yours? So
5: so when I was a kid, when I was a little kid. Uh, it was pretty controversial that I was lifting weights uh, at 13, you know. Uh, my my mom and dad had to come in, of course, and sign the, the gym membership and say it was okay for me to go in there and everything. Um, I think th- this these days the science has kind of changed because back then people would be like, well, if you squat or you lift heavy weights, you won't get taller, right? You, your your bones won't grow. And obviously I'm 6'2", six, 6'3", six, or something, uh, and that's obviously not the case. And uh, and they've, science has proven now that that's not the case. I think that the the main thing, the stopping point, first off, I wouldn't have a kid lifting weights before puberty. So, you know, I'm not um, big into pushing for, like, an 8-year-old or 6-year-old. So for for Asher, like, we do push-ups um, when I can get him to do it. I'll do sit-ups, and he does pull-ups. And then we do, uh, like, lunges and, air- and squats with no weight, right, um, for reps. That's okay. Body weight stuff will always be okay. You could do dips. You could do all that stuff. That will never be a problem. You're met, your body, even as a child, is meant to be able to support your own weight without injury. Now, if you put um, 135 pounds on his back to squat, even if he could do it, that may cause some damage as he's growing. But when you're a teenager, I think the real risk is that they're doing it wrong or they're going too heavy. You know, um, That's the real risk because um, kids, I'm sure you, you're this way. I certainly is this way. I would push the limits big time, and I never even considered getting injured or being you know, hurting or anything, dying. I didn't even think about any of that. Um, so I uh, I push it much further uh, and much harder than I would advise my son to. So if Asher wants to lift weights when he's 13, I 100% will encourage him to deadlift, squat, to bench, and I'll teach him the right form so he doesn't hurt himself and uh, make sure that he understands that you want to push your limits, but you don't want to go way over your limits to hurt yourself. Now, with supplements, this is a different story. So some supplements are okay, um, for basically any age. I mean, I don't give, you don't give your three-year-old supplements, but like for example, protein bars. So I give my kids, I'll break off half of a protein bar because they love it. So instead of a candy bar, which is junk, obviously, if they would prefer to eat one of my protein bars, I'm very happy about that. Um, But for actual supplements, uh, protein powder is okay for teenagers. Um, So we make a bunch of different types of protein powder. Amino acids is okay for, for teenagers. Uh, The protein bars is okay for teenagers. And uh, and I think that creatine has been certainly studied enough now. That's the most studied uh, nutritional supplement out there. Um, those are all okay for teenagers. The rest of them, like a uh, fat burner or pre-workout that has caffeine or any kind of thing like that, I don't recommend. Obviously, you don't need a testosterone boost or anything like that as a teenager because that's when your body is producing the most hormones, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so Sorry. I... Yeah, definitely, and I know that's uh, something too. We, we've heard a lot about, especially with with baseball and all the testosterone stuff. And yeah, and yeah. and is that stuff? Is, is it all safe? Like like especially kids that are playing athletics and and they're worried about maybe injuries and stuff like that as they get prepared for either you know big college football or something like that. Is is it safe to start taking stuff like that, or is that you like know, like, their- like uh, human growth hormone and all that?
5: Yeah. So my opinion on that is that um, that kids when they're that age are producing so much of the natural hormones of growth hormone and testosterone and stuff that it is is not really needed and you may be doing more damage than good because your body is producing so much. And when you take in, they call it exogenous, like from the outside. If you're taking something and adding it to what you're already producing, your body stops producing what you're naturally producing. So, that's the thing. It's like if you were to take some uh, testosterone and you're 18, your body will shut down its own production of testosterone, and there's a whole slew of side effects that uh, that are associated with coming off of the testosterone because your body has to then have a very like a, a severe deficit, and sometimes your body will have elevated estrogen with that lower testosterone, so you can develop a whole slew of, of side effects from that. So I, I'm definitely not a big uh, believer in kids uh, of any age, taking that. Obviously, I understand as, as a, uh, a college athlete, there's probably pressure uh, to do that, to perform, to be the best, or to get to the NFL or whatever. Um, but I certainly wouldn't want my kids. I would never recommend them to do that. So, you know, that would uh, that would not be something I would be a proponent uh, for. Now, that being said, as a older, when you get older, your hormone levels do drop. So for me personally, I take testosterone uh, therapy, hormone replacement therapy, because my levels I've dropped off so much as, as I got into my late thirties and, and everything, you know, your hormone levels do go down. So replacement brings you back up to a normal level, which I am a very big proponent of because, um, if your levels are very low, it can affect you, you know, sexually, it can affect you energy wise, brain function, uh, aggressiveness. And I mean that like aggressiveness at work, like get shit done, um, and all kinds of other stuff. So, um, I'm a very big proponent of that as a older, as you get older. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Great points on that. And I think it's it's an interesting time here, Aaron, just because like high school football has become almost the way college football used to be. I mean, it's so super competitive. Everyone's trying Mm -hmm. to get free scholarship rides to college and and, and a few make it to the pros there. But um, yeah, and I think just the education, just the knowledge is, 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 is half the battle here, as they say.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, the the landscape has certainly changed, and uh, one of the big things is like when I was a kid, uh, a teenager, steroids were much harder to get. You know, they're much much harder to get. You have to know somebody, and it's like not a, it's not a, it was not an easy thing. And then before, when, even before me, you know, in the in the eighties and stuff, people just didn't even know what it did. You know, they didn't know the doctors were saying they didn't even do anything. So a lot of athletes, there were people like Lalo Zedo and other people that took them. There's a lot of people didn't even know what they were doing. didn't even know that they did anything, but now there's this abundance of information on the internet and the availability. All these teenagers uh, are smart enough to figure out how to order them off the internet. You know, so you have uh, this education, whether the education is bullshit or not, right? It's on the internet, so it's available. And then you have the actual availability of the product. So we have a, there's definitely more of it out there i'm sure there's many 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 more high school athletes doing that now than there were when i was there just because it wasn't available and nobody even knew what what to do with it you know
1: yeah that's for that's the case i think just for about every drug that's out there right now too it's more available you know so yeah uh and and tying it back into you as a dad here with the technology there that's another struggle for a lot of dads myself included is your six-year-old swiping screens already watching the youtube (laughs) how do you kind of handle that with him
5: yes yes uh he is you know um Initially, me and my wife weren't sure about how we're going to handle that, right, because um, we know other people that don't let their kids use anything, uh, you know, any kind of device or, uh, you know, some that don't even really incur don't let them watch TV at all. Um, and so um, we were we were kind of debating initially, but, you know, the truth is that the, the, the future is these devices. I mean, it's like it would be equivalent to um, when I was a kid, you know, I bought a I bought a computer. My parents bought me a computer very young when I was a teenager, and I was one of the only kids that had a, their own personal computer. And it helped me a lot. It made me really uh, advanced compared to other kids with computers, and it, and it kind of fostered that interest in me in a young age and, and understanding computers and stuff. And so, you know, look whether we like it or not, iPads and, and touchscreens and swiping this is this is the future, man. Uh, that there's no getting away from it. It is what it is. So uh, we kind of. Did, decided to let them use it for limited periods of time and uh we don't have like the youtube stuff is one thing she my wife got very nervous about because there's so much weird stuff on youtube that's easy to find so they have only on their on uh asher only has on his ipad the uh youtube kids which uh i would imagine is much safer uh and he loves that stuff man he'll literally sit there if we give him an hour he'll sit there for an hour watching other kids open toys Weird, yeah. or play with toys. It's a very strange strange thing.
1: It, it is, Aaron. That's kind of what led me uh, backslide into this whole podcast thing, because I didn't even know what a podcast was, but my daughter uh, she was only now she's four, so this was like a year ago. She was into watching that stuff, the unboxing,
5: yep, yep. and I was like,
1: man, instead of watching this, why don't we just try to make one of those? It looks simple, but it was a lot harder than I thought trying to put one of these <laughs> videos together, and then I saw that the podcast was just audio, so I kind of sidestepped, but yeah, it is the future for sure, and it's hard to kind of you know, I, I drive Uber on the weekends. It's encouraging to see this younger generation be, you know, smart enough not to drink and drive. They use the technology yeah. to get around, but it, I mean, on the flip side of that, it definitely is hurting their communication skills big time.
5: Well, there's there's no doubt about that. And uh, I mean, I am um, a lot of my s- such an interesting world we live in. So I have this big business, and a lot of my business can be done strictly from my phone. So not just with phone calls and emails and text messages, a lot of the the website stuff and the ecom stuff that I'm done, that I can do, I can do for my phone. I can monitor my numbers for my phone. I can, I can see what each sale is. I can uh, reach out to uh, my 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 reps or my customer service guys, find out why a deal was this or that, why why a gross margin of a of an actual sale was not an acceptable level. I mean, all of that's available from your phone. And I find myself, and my wife will tell you, if my wife were to say like, what's the one thing you don't like the most about your husband, the thing you like him to change the most, it would be that I look at my phone too much. Um, and I do. I know that I do, you know, because everything is on your phone, everything from uh, from entertainment to work to communication. And, yeah, people walk around staring at their phone all day long. They don't even know what's around them. Yeah,
1: and I'm guilty you know? of that as well, Aaron. Just, just, and I was a guy that never had a social media account until I started this podcast. And now, uh, you know, I'm on the phone constantly, so yeah. I hear
5: you on that. Well that's the thing right so you have this ability this amazing ability to communicate with thousands of people and um and one of the things that's expected if you're doing social media and you're and you're doing it well is to reply to people to communicate and to be active and so um even with stuff like Instagram like our our Redcon 1 Instagram you know I expect our uh Instagram our um, our social media director he needs to respond to everybody so if you get you know 40 comments on a picture he's responding to everybody he's writing back to every DM and that's a that's a full time job it's a job yeah. to to do that and uh yeah and as a result yeah you're you know you've got a lot of uh seals on on the show and special forces guys they can all tell you you know uh your awareness your spatial awareness is uh is affected by his phone you know i, m- I remember we went out and trained with um with uh, dom rosso I, have you had him on the show yes, yep, yeah, so we're talking about he teaches like defense and uh and offense too, and fighting with a blade and all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, he says, it's like, uh, the world is full of soft targets because people walk around staring at their phone. And it's true. You walk around the, the mall or the airport, everybody's looking down. Nobody's looking around anymore.
1: Yeah, and you know what? People are being paid big-time money to make sure you keep looking down. So um, Yeah,
5: yeah, for sure. Uh, it's yeah.
1: All right, well, you've had a lot of success here so far. What kind of plans or goals do you have here for yourself for the future?
5: Well, uh, for the business, uh, businesses, you know, is is going, like you said, is going very well, and I have, uh, you know, I'm very focused on the numbers, so we have a big uh, goal every month, and then we have a big goal for the quarter, and then I have a goal for the end of the year, so I'm focused, you know, one of the, the good things and the bad things about being in sales to some degree, I mean, that's what I do some some degree or another, is, you know, every month it starts back over, but I'm, I am very goal-focused, so I have a ton of goals for the business and uh and the big goal is to be the biggest sports supplement company in the world and uh we're still a few years away from doing that but i have my uh checklist that i'm you know going down and making sure i'm hitting every one of them and uh continuing to spread the uh, the good word red kind of red one and get into more doors yeah very cool all right last thing i want to hit you with here
1: aaron i love to ask all the dads i get on the podcast what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening
5: well, I mean, the one thing I can tell, I tell all, like, people that I'm close to that are going to have a kid is that um, is that it's the best thing ever, man. I have, uh, have a lot of cool things going on in my life, but none of them are anywhere near uh, being a dad and having kids because ultimately that's really what life's all about. It's not about things or possessions or, you know, success in, in one thing or another, whatever that may mean to you. It's it's truly like when you have your first kid, you realize like this is what it's about. You know, like this is what you're on the on the earth to do. And uh, when people say, what's the meaning to life? The meaning to life is 100 percent definitely having kids and being a good father. That's what that's what it's about. No doubt.
1: Yeah, well said. I love the message. Uh, This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Aaron Singerman, thank you so much for
0: giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, buddy. All right. And joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a professional powerlifting champion and former professional wrestler. He is the inventor of a device called The Slingshot. He is a podcaster, a gym owner, and so much more. It is a great privilege for me to say, Mark Bell, welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
6: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, It's an honor to be on the show, and I think it's really important for uh, us men and women that are uh, parents to share our message, share our uh, journey, and share our story with others Um, You know, a lot of times on social media, all you kind of see is, you know, somebody with uh, a new this or a new that, but there's not really that much talk about their family. And I think a lot of times it's unfortunate, but it just doesn't get the same amount of likes sometimes. And so, uh, therefore, it gets pushed to the side because it's not fancy or it's not, uh, maybe it's not the lifestyle that uh, all the bachelors want to live or something like that.
0: Well said. It seems as though the cheap thrill always gets all the attention on social media and the really important stuff is often overlooked. Hopefully we can turn that all around here and celebrate fatherhood and family life. So let's get it started here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I got an 11-year-old 11, 11 daughter named Quinn and a 15-year-old uh, a son named Jake. Awesome. one in one What type of sports or activities are they into?
6: Um, you know, they are they have a wide uh a wide interest base. Neither one of them really ever took, uh, much interest in, um, uh, in sports. Uh, we had them, uh, you know, as parents, my wife and I, we, we firmly believe that uh, it's important to, uh, try to make quote unquote force your kids to do some stuff. Uh, and, and we did we, just because we wanted them to have the experience of it. We think, you know, at, at a really young age, like seven or eight or something like that, they maybe don't understand what's always in their best interest. And so therefore we wanted to utilize sports as a form of exercise and wanted to utilize sports as a form of, um, to teach them about team, uh, and and the camaraderie and stuff that happens when you're, when you're on a team and stuff like that. But neither one of them really took to it. My son one day on the way to baseball, he was like, ah, I don't want to play baseball anymore. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I think he was like 10 or 11. I was like, you're old enough to make your own decision. And, uh, If you don't like baseball, you know, we can stop playing baseball. But I said, let's just, you know, let's finish out the season because, you know, your coach and your team is relying on you to be there. And so uh, we'll do it that way. And uh, we can discontinue baseball. And so he did that. My daughter's never had a huge interest in in sports either. She likes art. And those are kind of more her uh, interests. She likes to read. And uh, my son now, though, has now gotten into weights. And uh, he's been training here at Super Training Gym with me out here in West Sacramento, and uh, it's it, it's been amazing. It's it's hard not to get overly excited when your child is uh, excited about the same thing that you're excited about. So I'm trying, trying my best to play it cool, but uh, I don't know if I'm playing it cool or not. But it, it's a lot of fun having him here in the gym, having him working out. He's been talking about playing football possibly, so that's kind of cool.
0: That's so cool. Mark, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
6: So I've been a long-time powerlifter. I started powerlifting when I was around 12 years old. Uh all growing up, I was kind of a, a heavier kid. Um and uh also in school, I really I really struggled a lot in school, and so the only thing I really had was my weights. I uh I played football and did a lot of other sports and did pretty well in those sports and things like that, but um it was uh uh it was, you know, hard hard to um <clears throat> hard to like I guess, uh, gain uh, gain traction anywhere else just because I kind of always felt that I was dumb because that's how I was kind of labeled in school. And so uh, I ended up in like special classes and all these kinds of things. And so I really, really gravitated towards the weights uh, very strongly and um, uh, just been powerlifting pretty much ever since the age of 12. I'm 42 now. And um, I, you know, just took powerlifting as far as I possibly could. I became obsessed with getting myself as strong as humanly possible. And uh, for me, that included a 1,080 squat, an 854-pound bench, and a 766-pound deadlift. (laughs) Uh, And then it's just got me submerged in the uh, fitness industry. Um, I always felt that documenting a lot of this stuff would be important, showcasing uh, these men and women that train at my gym, uh, showcasing bench squat and deadlift. I always felt a lot of people would be attracted to it because of how extreme it was and the kind of weights that people were pushing around. And so pretty much since 2006, I've been documenting, 2005, 2006, I've been documenting all this stuff. Uh, I even had a uh, an account before YouTube was around, which was uh, called Putfile. And, uh, you know, I, ha- I had that going on for a while, and, and it gained traction, and people were excited about the lifting and, and all that. And so that's kind of how I kind of built my name. Um, and built some recognition and uh, just kind of taking it from there. And then um, years into my powerlifting career, I hurt myself a bunch of times, uh, tore my pec several times, tore bicep several times, and I wanted to figure out a way for people to train through and around injuries as they would get older. And so I came up with an invention called the Slingshot, which is a supportive upper body device for bench press, push-ups, and dips. It allows you to handle more weight for more reps, more sets, more overall volume in your training. It also helps improve your form and technique uh, while on a bench press or while doing a push-up. And so uh, that has created a fortune for me that has allowed me to make my gym a lot different than uh, pretty much any other gym in the world. My gym is free, 100% free. It's uh, 8,000 square feet, and we have everything and anything you can think of uh, to, to get yourself stronger. So now my mission is to make the world a better place to lift, uh now that I'm in in a uh comfortable position to do so, uh, that's what I try to do every day, is try to empower people uh with this idea of uh you know, you can always you can every single person on this planet possess the ability to be stronger than they currently are, and every single person on this planet possesses the ability to be better than they were yesterday. And so that's uh that's what I'm obsessed with and that's what I'm uh doing my best with nowadays.
0: Yeah, you have an incredible success story, Mark. It's really awesome. And one of the big reasons for me doing this podcast here is that I always speak about it. I feel as though there is an attack in this country on the family life and on fatherhood in particular, Uh, just the way dads are portrayed on the movies and in TV, I don't think does us any justice. So I think it's important to hear the realistic effects of fatherhood from successful people like yourself. So when did fatherhood come into the picture for you and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life?
6: Um, I think I was, you know, In uh, mid to uh, late 20s, when uh, my wife and I had had our son, Jake, and um, so I always loved kids. I I come from a really big family. My mom's side of the family had uh, nine children, and so did my dad, and both families just lived down the street from each other. My parents met on a school bus. My dad uh, winked at my mom on the school bus, and the rest is history. And uh, so whenever we got together for Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff like that, we would all get together and there'd be tons of people and there'd be tons of kids. And um, so I always got an opportunity to like play with my nephews and nieces and stuff. And and I always loved children and always wanted to have, uh, you know, kind of a a handful of kids, I guess you'd say. But as, uh, you know, as my wife and I, you know, built towards our careers and started doing some other things and. Once we had children I was like, okay, two two is a pretty good two is a pretty good number 'cause they're a lot to handle. Um having one I think would be kinda difficult, uh, because the two, you know, they end up uh playing off each other and they end up uh kinda having a buddy and stuff like that. And so we always wanted to at least have more than one, so that's how we kinda ended up with ended up on that number of two. But you know, the main thing for me with my kids is to just uh I guess try my best to if I, I if I can be half of what my dad was then I think uh I'll be a complete person. My dad really did a great job of leading by example. Uh he's a person of faith. Um and he's also just a guy that like aside from like God and religion and stuff, just makes the right decision, you know, or just at least always tries to the best he can. Uh he doesn't take any shortcuts. Um and, and I grew up seeing that. I grew up I remember when I was a teenager and I started getting into, uh, you know, girls. And I started seeing, you know, some of these pretty girls at the mall or at the grocery store or wherever we were. And I always thought for sure, like, sometimes not not just a girl my age, but like a, you know, beautiful woman would walk by. And I would be like in the back of the car or whatever. And my mom usually sit in the front, but my mom was like in the grocery store or whatever. And I'd watch my dad and I'm, I would just think in my head, there's absolutely no possible way – he's not going to look at this woman. This woman's way too smoking hot for him to not break down and and look. And he never did. And I don't know if like he knew I was watching or if he was trying to set an example or if that just didn't catch his interest because he's so into my mom. I'm not really a hundred percent sure, but I I learned a lot from that. You know, as a kid watching that, I'm like, man, this guy, this guy's, uh, this guy's made out of something different than the rest of us. And so, and he's always been a very hardworking person. And so, I think, you know, you do have to teach your kids lessons and I do think it's important to uh to lead by example and in addition to that though I do think that you have to communicate with your kids uh, almost as if they are adults and you do have to teach them life lessons and you do have to uh you do have to make them understand some of the principles that you believe in. It's not about, you know, what principles Mark Bell believes in necessarily, um but it's what present what principles do you believe in? I'm a person that believes in uh, the law of attraction. I'm the kind of person that believes in affirmations, and, and if you put stuff out there in the universe that, and you put good out in the universe, the positive things will come back to you. And uh, that's stuff that I try to instill in my children. I try to make sure they understand uh, they have the ability to be anything that they want to be in their life, and there's not really a whole lot of restrictions on that. And I tell them every single day, I don't think you can tell anybody, enough how much you love and care about them they make me laugh all the time and I share that with them all the time I I you know I'm not I'm not uh you know lathering them up with uh, sunshine and rainbows 24/7 but I am communicating to them how much I pre- like if they make me laugh or something I might be I might say something I said this to my daughter last night her and I went in our hot tub and she said something really funny and it made me laugh and I said you know what I hope you never lose that sense of humor it's it's really a wonderful thing to have, and she she may or may not know like what I'm talking about for now, because she's 11. But she, I think she'll remember a lot of these things.
0: Yeah, what an awesome message, Mark, and I think that is why it's so important to stress just how important it is to have a father in the home because we are facing a fatherless problem in our country. The statistics are very eye-opening as far as the results of kids who are growing up without a father figure. It takes a village to raise a child, so I love your philosophy there, and I'm just glad that there are people like you online spreading that type of message out there.
6: Right, and I I try to be you know very transparent. I try to let people in on as much stuff as I can can't let them in on everything, you know. Just, just you can't have your life be uh, that wide open. But um, I, I really, you know, I enjoy my time with my family. I, it's not like it's not like I get home from work and I'm like, oh man, I gotta, you know, I gotta corner off this time for my family. It's, uh, it's a priority for me. It's something that I really love. I wake up every day at some somewhere between 3:30 and 4 a.m. And the reason why I do that is because I like the back half of my day to be completely open and to just be done. I like to be done with my day in terms of, like, work. We all have to work. We all have things that we need to do. And luckily enough for me, I can kind of set my own schedule. But just because I'm able to set my own schedule doesn't mean that I don't have a schedule. So I still – the front half of the day, like when the kids are at school and stuff, that's devoted towards – work, exercise, those kinds of things, and if I don't get those things done, then they just don't happen for the day, because I don't compromise the time uh, that I have with the family, so, you know, the beginning part of the day, uh, well, actually, even in the morning, I really like to cook for my children as well, so they usually go to school around seven, eight o'clock, somewhere in that time frame, and I, I cook breakfast for them almost every single morning, and that is like, to me, that to me, cooking for your children is important um, because there, there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, I, I'm a nutrition freak. I'm a health freak in some sense, and I think really when you're talking about um, when you're talking about having a child and bringing a child in this world, we're really talking about nourishment. You know, and and so this is a, a literal way of providing nourishment for your children. It's it's a direct line of, hey, I made you these eggs and I made you you know, again, whatever principles you have towards nutrition could be applied. I made you this nutritious food so you can have the best possible day that you can. And I'm not going to be lazy about it because if I love you, I'm not going to give you a uh, a sticky bun, you know, in, in the morning. i can give you a sticky bun and uh, chocolate milk and send you off to school and think that you're going to uh, do well and be healthy and be happy with that. And so, and I'm not being judgmental towards others that, that may do that. And I, of course, in our household, we occasionally do that. We made our kids uh, some chicken nuggets last night. You know, there's there's always going to be times where you're going to be a little bit more relaxed with some of these things. Of course, you're going to allow your children to have ice cream and enjoy pizza and do things like other children do. Um, but at the same time, I think that show it, teaching them all the principles that you believe in that have helped you in your life. So with you... Uh, I know that uh, it's been said that you're a mechanic, you know, and it's like what a great thing to pass on to your children. I'm not a mechanic. I don't know how to fix a car or fix a plane or fix really anything in our house for that matter. My wife does a lot of that. But what I'm going to pass on to my children are the things that have helped me, the things that I already know about. So I'm going to I'm going to teach them both about lifting, and I've showed them both all kinds of different things when it comes to exercise and I've been talking to both of them since they were one. I've been talking to both of them since they were very, very young about nutrition. And when they were really young, I used to just kind of tell them flat out, hey, don't eat that. It's going to make you fat. Because at that age, they they have a decent understanding of, of what that means. They don't really know what, it, hey, that's going to cause heart disease and diabetes. Like that's not really going to uh, ring true to them when they're four or five years old. But to tell them to abstain from it because it's going to give them kind of unwanted results is, is a good place to start. And with my kids now that they're both older, they're, they're my son is a teenager and my daughter is kind of getting there. I would never say, I don't say that anymore. I don't say anything about being fat because I just don't think there's a, a place for it. But I do teach them a lot about nutrition. And my daughter might have an apple juice uh, at breakfast and then when it comes to like dinner time. Uh, you know maybe she's you know I might ask her hey do you want dessert and she might say nah, I had you know I had juice earlier today and so then we then we have a conversation about it like okay well that's okay you had the juice in the morning and you, you, you exercise today you moved around a lot like let's just have it you know don't don't worry about it it's someone's birthday or whatever but no one is really like losing sleep over it either so it's not a it's not an area of like contention it's not causing like anxiety for anyone or anything like that but it's it's just something that's openly discussed. My son loves to have Coke uh, every once in a while with his with his dinner, and he's allowed to have the Coke. But it's I tell him you either pick the Coke or you pick the dessert. You it's up you make the choice, but I don't want you having both uh, because you know these things can add up really quickly in our lives, and so I, I want to see them uh, be healthy,
0: strong, and happy. Very cool. And with nutrition now, Mark, kids, teenagers, they're always looking to gain an advantage in the weight room. A lot of kids are taking supplements and other substances to kind of boost their ability to push weight around. Uh, But some of this stuff can be very hurtful or harmful to your body. What advice do you have for parents out there whose kids are passionate about lifting weights uh, just so they can make sure that the kids are staying safe in the process? One mistake
6: I made when I was young is I kind of just thought it was par for the course that like all these things would be like a gut bomb and that they would mess up your stomach. And uh, they shouldn't. You know, these things should be okay. They should be well tolerated. Um, One thing that I would also caution against is like a lot of pre-workout type stuff, which is just loaded with a lot of caffeine, which I think most parents would deter their kid from anyway, but your child might be using it, like especially if they're 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, Just because that can just get out of hand quick. It's not going to like cause any like real permanent damage or anything i don't i don't believe but i think you're better off relying on your on your on what your body's more capable of doing on a given day and if you're relying on that little extra bump from a pre-workout or something it just uh, potentially leaves you open to uh, getting hurt in terms of things that are healthy and smart you know really um a great place to start is uh, if somebody listening to this has their kid playing football or playing a sport and they really wanted to gain an advantage, uh, I would say that there's a, a few things. But number one is I would check out uh, some information from Stan Efferding. He's somebody that maybe you should have on this podcast as well. He's a dad. He's got he's got two kids as well. Um, and he's an entrepreneur and uh, world's strongest bodybuilder and also a uh, a, uh really, really awesome power lifter and just an awesome person, but he has a diet called the Vertical Diet. There's a lot of great information in there, and what I love about the Vertical Diet, there's nothing really crazy special about it or anything like that. It's nothing complicated, but what Stan does is he links all these things together through the nutrients, uh, macronutrients and micronutrients, your vitamins, your minerals. He links all those things together uh, for growth and for the healthiest lifestyle that you can have, and so... Uh, that's a really good place for a lot of people to start. Uh, in addition to that, um, when it comes to supplements, I don't really think there's a, a huge need for kids to be on like a lot of supplements. I do think that there's a huge need for the kid to get uh, fed quite a bit. Now, what happens is, is with children is uh, your kid will come into the kitchen at 8 years old and say, I'm starving. And you'll say, we have chicken breast, we have filet mignon, we have veggies <laughs> – And they'll go, oh, and they'll walk out of the room. So they're constantly, children, it's going to wear you out. It'll wear you out for sure. No no matter how much you love them, it's going to wear you out and frustrate you. But they're going to constantly want snacks. And snacks are something that I think everyone should be eliminating. I don't think snacks uh, really fit well into, into a healthy lifestyle. And I think that we kind of think like, oh, I'm going to have a snack in between my meal and it's going to, but what it does is it takes up room in your stomach for otherwise more nutrient dense foods. Um, and again, like we can, you know, you can get way into the weeds on this, but it depends on your, your beliefs on food. I, I'm a believer that meat has all the vitamins and minerals that we need uh, and everything else is just optional from that point, from that point there. But uh, there's a lot of research that goes back and forth between like vegan and eating meat and so on and so forth. But again, whatever whatever principles that you like that you like to adapt to, your children should be eating very similar to you, unless you have really bad habits, unless you're you know drinking, eating pizza and stuff like that. You're, like a lot of times, I think people are like, oh let's uh, let's get together, let's have a barbecue, we'll cook up chicken and we'll cook up um, we'll cook up steak. And uh, so the kids will make a frozen pizza and it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Uh, Why, why are the kids uh, not being treated like human beings? Why are they being treated like animals? So that, that would be the first place I'd start is I would start to really look into, um, you know, getting your kids on a, uh, on a plan that, that really satisfies the nutrients that they need. And then also just some information I heard more recently is like, if most Americans just made the decision to eat protein over carbohydrates. We wouldn't have obesity. We wouldn't have uh, diabetes, um, or at least there would be a whole lot less of it. So that's what you want to think about for your children. I want to give them a nice portion of protein because protein is the most satiating food that there is. It um, it almost doesn't even count on a caloric level as same as the same as they originally thought. So it has four calories. Uh, per per uh, per gram, but they don't they don't even really believe that that's true anymore because of the way it digests and things like that. So each a protein. Awesome, that's some great advice right there,
0: um, Mark. What is a good age? I know you said your son just started lifting weights himself, but what is a good age or, or a safe age for kids to really start crushing the weights? You know, I
6: think I think kids can start pretty young with some weight training. I think um, when you think about uh, the demands on the human body when it comes to uh, sprinting and jumping and throwing and some of these things, uh, there's quite a quite a demand on the body and, and it's multiplied, um, you know, several times your body weight. So, if you were to think of a kid uh, sprinting, uh, the amount of force that's on the kid's body from sprinting or from jumping down uh, off of a slide or from doing these different things that kids do, the impact of those things is uh, way crazier than anything that they can perform in a weight room. So, you can start. You can start lifting at a pretty young age. Um, I got some friends that have started lifting. Um, they had their kids start lifting at like seven and eight and stuff. This the, the one thing that always gets weird about that kind of thing is like, does the kid actually really like doing that, or is it just because, you know, mom and dad does it, or and so that you know you're just trying to make sure. I think the main thing is just to, to make sure your child actually really enjoys what they're doing and and um, continue to check in with them. Um, everyone does need some form of exercise, um, but kids, you know, they they can do a lot of things, and they don't have to necessarily uh, spend hours on end uh, in the gym. I started lifting when I was 12, and I was able to kind of get out in front of a lot of other people, and so for me, it ended up becoming a pretty big advantage that I started at a young age, um, and I, I didn't notice any I didn't notice any negative uh, negative effects. Uh, from that it's just resistance training so it wouldn't be any different than if i was uh you know 10 and my dad said hey you know you gotta uh you know go get water from the well you know on the farm or whatever right so it's just uh it's just added added resistance the main thing is just to make sure that you're trying to lift with proper form and technique and that gets to be hard to try to figure out you know where the heck do i send my kid to and so my advice on that would be If you're sending them just to a weight room and they have a football coach instructing them on lifting, that's probably not the best place to be, although it could be. Occasionally you could find a really good one. Um, But my suggestion would be that you you try to start uh, at a a different gym and try to find a coach or personal trainer. And even if you can't afford it, just, uh, you know, ask them if they could just show you. If they could just show your kid, show your son or daughter, Uh, some movements that they thought would be useful for volleyball or something like that. That's, that's what you want to kind of get into. And even some of these CrossFit facilities uh, are pretty good. They're, they're um, you know, they move fast. And so there's uh, some um, people get uh, judgmental about that because they move quick and they lift heavy. And then the form starts to get unraveled from there. But if you were to bring a child into that environment, they do have uh, options for that. They have what's called CrossFit kids. Uh, which could actually uh, be a really good option for uh, your child to learn how to lift. Very
0: cool. All right, Mark, you have accomplished so much in your life already. What type of goals do you have for yourself?
6: What's coming up next for Mark Bell? Uh, February 9th, we have the super training classic here in uh, Sacramento and uh, I will bench 500 pounds at 220. And I'm super excited about that. I've never done that before. I've never, uh, I've never, yeah, I've never, I've never, uh, lifted that amount of weight at that body weight before. So uh, I have successfully done a 578-pound raw bench press. The 854-pound bench I mentioned earlier, that was equipped. That was wearing something uh, that's called a bench shirt, which is very uh, supportive. But, yeah, that's one of the first goals is to knock that out. And um, I have uh, a lot of travel and a lot of stuff coming up uh, with the family. Got a lot lot of different things going on with them. And uh super excited about that going to Italy, going to England uh we'll be kind of popping all over the place and I'm really excited about that and then just a few days ago we we bought a new house, and so we'll be moving uh, probably in a few months it'll take a little while to do all the stuff that we want to do, but the whole family's all hyped up about all that and uh yeah, I'm just you know i'm I'm really excited about uh the future of my company and and our my future with my family and and just kind of all these different things I have going on, I do think it's important to have um, it's important to have multiple things going on. You know, uh, some some entrepreneurs share the idea of like, hey, it's a good idea to get multiple sources of revenue. Well, I think it's great to have multiple sources of happiness. It's great to have multiple sources of uh, goal setting. And uh, you know, I'm a big believer that you know you can make wages while you work towards a fortune. And so. I kind of keep that principle with everything, you know, when it comes to, yeah, I have this goal to, like, beat a certain body weight and lift a certain amount of weight or I have a goal to compete in a bodybuilding show or compete in a powerlifting meet. Uh, But at the same time, I have a goal to uh, take my son to see the Kings, uh, you know, next week or, you know, I got all these different goals kind of going on and then, you know, constantly managing all the people in your life, the people that matter to you most. I got really good advice uh, many years ago from the greatest powerlifter of all time. His name is Ed Cohn. And Ed Cohn, uh, he shared with me, uh, you know, be nice to those who are nice to you and don't do anything else. And I thought, man, that's that's a tough message because sometimes people are hateful towards you and it's tough to not do anything else. But it's really good. It's a really good lesson uh, to learn. And so for me, when somebody pops up on my uh, my phone and they text me, if, if it's somebody I haven't heard from in a, in, a, in a long time, and it's someone that I care about, they care about me, then that person moves kind of the top of priority list, and other people move down. You know, so like if someone here at work. Said, hey man, I need you to you know come over here. And I I live about 20, 30 minutes away from most of the people that work here. Um, I would drop everything I'm doing with my family. You know, people always say family first. Yeah, of course family first. But at the same time, uh, there's going to be times where the priorities shift and where things move around. And so, at that moment, I would say, hey, you know, I'd tell my wife, hey, you know, this guy needs me over here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's going through a divorce or someone's sick, but he sounded upset. I better get over there. I better start talking to him. And so that you know, that's my uh, my goals are really kind of surrounded in trying to uh you know feed into my own my feed into some of my own ego but uh more importantly uh really make sure the people that are around me uh feel as special as they make me feel.
0: Good stuff. All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Mark. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening?
6: Oh, this is pretty, a pretty simple one. It's not about you anymore. <laughs> you know, those days are over. Your uh, Christmas, uh, your, your favorite holidays, uh, your birthday, um you know mom and pretty much everybody else is going to kind of forget about you and when you um when you at least for a little while anyway and uh anywhere you go they're going to ask you how how's your son doing how's your daughter doing and they're not going to really they're not going to say hey man you do how are you doing you doing okay like no one's going to really be checking in with you so uh you know if you're somebody that uh ends up being a little bit into themselves here and there probably be uh some really good medicine for you but just uh just be ready for it, be prepared for it, and uh, there's no, there's really no, um, there's really no right way to raise children, Uh, so that could help simplify things for you, but there's certainly a lot of wrong things to do, so um, you you, you learn, you know, day in and day out, and uh, you're just going to need a massive amount of patience, you know, your kid's going to want to, like, uh, wear you out in terms of how much they want to play or how much they want to do but they're only going to be that way for a period of time so just uh it, it's not always going to be easy you're going to get frustrated and that's why i agree 100 with percent what you said in the beginning of the show is that you know it, it takes a village to raise raise a child I mean, you really do need uh, it's not just really two i, I got my parents here my wife's parents are here um we all chip in my brothers watch the kids my uh my sister-in-law my brother-in-law like we've all we all chip in and help with each other's kids um but i do think it's really really important to try to have a dad and a mom around and um i just because look you're going to lose your cool here and there you're gonna get super frustrated and that's the perfect time to bring in the relief pitcher that's the perfect time to bring somebody else in to kind of close out the game. And it, it's one thing I'll say that's helped me a lot was, you know, don't try not to overreact and blow up. So if your kids are blowing up, your kids are crying or screaming and are acting inappropriate and they're really, really young, it's really not going to do anybody any good to go yelling and screaming. And I, I've I've done that in my household where, You know, I took a breath and said, and I sat everybody down. We had conversations and my kids were really young at the time. And I said, this house is not for that. That's not, that's not what this house is for. We got like a pool outside. We got an outdoor kitchen. We have a trampoline in the back. We got video games. I'm like, this house is for fun. This house is for love. And we're going to fight and different things are going to happen because that's part of being a family. But, Let's just go our separate ways when that happens. There's really no reason for us to be yelling and screaming. I've and I've given the kids this speech uh, many, many times over, and it's worked out really well. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to um, you know look down upon you, and you're not going to yell at me and be dis- disrespectful towards me. Let's all respect each other, and let's all understand that. Yeah, like there's going to be some times where uh, we get a little bit heated, and I think it would be really, really hard, you know, some, there's probably some single parents listening to this too. It'd be really hard if, if you're just a single parent to be able to try to manage all that. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have my wife. I'd probably have to, uh, I already like to go on a lot of walks by myself, but I'd probably have to double down or triple down on that because you're going to have to figure out some way to uh, almost have a form of a uh, meditation to give you enough serenity to, <laughs> to raise the kids the right way. But yeah boatloads of uh boatloads of patience and uh, realize it's not about you well said i love the message this has been a lot of
0: fun for me mark bell i gotta say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on first class
6: fatherhood thank you so
5: much
0: all right be right back to wrap it up Hey, dads, are you looking to boost your energy level? Strikeforce Energy has got you covered. With a Strikeforce Energy packet, you can turn any beverage into an energy drink. Their original energy packets contain no sugar, no calories, just an explosion of energy and flavor added to any beverage. Strikeforce Energy is veteran-owned, and all their products are made right here in the United States. Co-founded by Navy SEAL, Sean Mattson. Strikeforce Energy blows away the energy drink competition. Right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 15% off their purchase by visiting StrikeforceEnergy.com and using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Strikeforce Energy turns any beverage into an energy drink. Get yours today. StrikeforceEnergy.com. Promo code FATHERHOOD.
1: Uh, Joining me now... First Class Father, Stan Efforting, Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
3: Thanks, Alec. Appreciate it.
1: All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have and how old are they?
3: Well, I've got three. One's my stepson. He's uh, just turning 20 today, as a matter of fact, his birthday. Uh, His mother and I have been together for 18 years, so I helped raise him since he was two. And then we have a six-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son whose birthday is in two days on Valentine's Day, turning five.
1: Wow, very cool. Do you have the little ones in any uh, sports activities yet?
3: Oh, of course, yeah. We've got to keep them active, otherwise, we pay the price. So, they're in gymnastics primarily now. And then, you know, I'm a fan of these 10 minute walks, so I try and get him out with his bike. And uh, we're in Vegas, so it's sunny a lot. So, I try and get him out to the park as much as possible. But gymnastics is our current uh, sport. I think when he turns six, I'll probably throw him into some jujitsu, which is real popular here in uh, in Vegas.
1: Yeah, very cool. Yeah, you just just popular pretty much almost everywhere now. It really uh, blew up. For sure. Um, all right, Stan, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit of, um, about your background and what you do.
3: Well, I'm 51 now. I spent the bulk of my adult career in life uh, as an entrepreneur and competing in bodybuilding and powerlifting. And so I kind of had a dual pursuit with my passion and uh, my uh, desire to be successful, and so i Managed to build well, what is now a fifth multi-million dollar company since I was uh, since I started my own businesses when I was 32. And um, in sports, I became an IFBB pro bodybuilder and set world records in powerlifting. So it's uh, still a passion of mine to do both. I'm still an entrepreneur. and I'm still um, still lifting pretty aggressively, but uh, with a, a renewed focus on long-term health.
1: Yeah, very cool when did fatherhood come into the picture for you and then how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life?
3: Well, you know, I, ever since meeting Malia with her son being two years old, uh, you know, you always take a an additional responsibility, even though it's your stepson uh, to make sure that he's got you know all the things that he needs. And, uh, but it wasn't until just six years ago when my daughter was born that I had my own uh, daughter. And then two years later, my own son. And, uh, you know, I must admit that that, that kind of changed my perspective. I, it kind of cured me of my OCD and I tend to be a bit of a hypochondriac, and both of those go out the window real quick when you have babies. And uh, you know, for the first time in my life, I, I started to kind of uh, be less selfish, I guess you should say. Um, I stopped. Uh, I was more risk-averse. I didn't. Uh, wasn't going double or nothing on all my business adventures, and um, I wasn't competing anymore. Uh, because I wanted to have more time to spend with the kids, and I certainly didn't want to compromise their livelihood by risking everything on a on a new business venture. So that certainly changed for me, and I realized I was no longer the most important person in the world You go from being pretty selfish to being pretty selfless. Stop thinking about how much the things that you want and thinking about what your kids need kind of reminded me of the time I... Pops used to clip coupons when I was a kid, so he could buy eight-dollar tennis shoes at GI Joe sidewalk sale, and would turn right around and buy me sixty or seventy-dollar uh, Dan Gable autographed wrestling shoes. And at the time, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I didn't see that. And of course, now I do, and I understand it. So it's, it's been uh, a great, uh, a great change for me.
1: Yeah, very well said. Uh, you're the founder of The Vertical Diet, and, and now nutrition, obesity continue to be problems that kind of plague, you know, American teenagers today. So what is The Vertical Diet, and how can that kind of help our
3: kids? Well, I use The Vertical Diet. It's a, a nutrition program that's based on you know, gut health and uh, long-term health, and I uh, use that to help people who are suffering from obesity, but also for athletes for performance. It's uh something that's been quite successful, quite popular, Uh, something I've used with my athletes for the better part of a decade, but I just released it last year as a a product and put it on the market available for everyone to use based on the success stories that I've realized. And, you know, I live that life. I've lived it all my life. I've spent 30 years competing in bodybuilding and powerlifting, and so I've uh, used nutrition for performance, uh, both to gain lose weight uh, throughout my career, and I've used it with the uh, athletes that I've trained. I was a high school soccer coach, trained football players at the University of Oregon, went on to work with uh, NFL ball players and a host of other professional sports. So it's just something that's been a passion of mine, helping people change their lives and improve their health. And, um, you know, I kind of live it here in my house. I'm, I'm not, uh, um, <laughs> I guess you wouldn't say I'm not zealous about it. Uh, my kids are kind of on the 80/20 rule. I use desserts as incentives uh, and lack of desserts as disincentives. But for the most part, I don't have any of the crappy foods in my house—the uh, uh, cookies, cake, and uh, candies and juices and the like. You know, we have lots of plenty of fruit and vegetables and whole foods here for them to eat. and uh, So I just uh, try and get them to eat what I eat and get them to go. On ten minute walks with me, and I have my gym in my garage, and I uh, have them come out I'm exercising and play and so they just kind of see from my example that that's a healthy lifestyle
1: yeah, very cool and and a lot of teenagers today are trying to get ripped really quick, especially at the high school uh, athlete level. Uh, many of them try to avoid the hard work that goes into that by using like growth hormones and supplement supplements and other kind of boosters what could you What kind of advice could you give to the parents? Uh, what to kind of watch out for as far as what substances are dangerous for their teenagers to be using and what ones are good and effective?
3: Well, I just think whole food's about it. I'm not even a fan of protein powders and, and pre-workouts and things like that. I don't promote them. I don't sell them. I didn't use them uh, through the uh, most successful parts of my career, certainly when I was in college. and In the early 90s competing, I thought that supplements were a big deal, and I just learned over time that uh, you know healthy lifestyle, habits such as improving your sleep and getting adequate whole food nutrition, using uh, you know, really good quality, highly bioavailable, micronutrient dense foods. Uh I think we've come far enough now that I can actually say that red meat and eggs and whole milk, uh things like that actually build young bodies and young athletes. I used to say that ten or twenty or even thirty years ago and parents would look at me like I had horns on my because we had this uh, misinformation regarding cholesterol and saturated fat and red meat. And, uh, now, of course, the uh, uh, the science is uh, much more supportive of the fact that kids need these things to grow. Uh girls in particular, the iron, and the B12, and the zinc that's in red meats, and uh, uh, young uh, boys and girls, the cholesterol and how that's important for all the hormone production in the body. So, you know, I work hard to make sure that uh, I give out good advice regarding lifestyle, uh, habits, and how important that is for for progress, uh, for young athletes and young kids, uh, I don't think the supplements have an additional benefit. I think they're inferior to whole foods by a long shot. When you use those in place of whole foods, I don't think you get uh, as good a result. They're not micronutrient dense. They lack all of the nutrition that kids need. And then, uh, you know, as far as performance enhancing drugs, I don't think there's any place for it in, in teenagers. Uh, they already have adequate hormone levels, um, far and above what um, you know adults have. So that's just not. Uh, plus, it'll shut down their systems. If young kids use, uh, young boys use testosterone in high school, they'll end up shutting down their own testosterone. Uh, it never really totally recovers for most kids, uh, and it's, it's just kind of individualistic. depends on how much and how long they use it. But it, there's a risk that uh, you can then suppress your potential long-term. Uh, performance so I avoid all of that stuff with young kids I don't think they need it I am cautious with overtraining especially young girls they get to doing distance work running um, cross-country etc overtraining and they end up with amenorrhea cessation of the menstrual period Uh, so those are adverse effects simply from overtraining young boys too Uh, I see them uh, in wrestling trying to cut weight I think it's a bad time to cut weight in high school. I think that uh, definitely can uh, potentially stunt their growth, uh, at least in the short term, acutely. Um, I just don't think it's a good idea for them to be overly restrictive uh, and that they should get adequate nutrition. So I'm real cautious with uh, making sure they get a a complete, uh, well-rounded diet. So uh, those are my recommendations for kids.
1: Yeah, very cool. Some great advice right there, Stan. And what about as far as what age would you consider to be a good age for for teenagers to get involved in really like if they're interested in powerlifting or or real heavy uh, bodybuilding what is a safe age uh, you would think for someone to get involved in that
3: uh you know there's a scale that kind of measures uh, a child's maturity um uh, and usually it's dependent on their development and uh their hormones as far as the, getting the maximum benefit out of of heavier training uh, and usually it's it's dependent upon their testosterone levels that's gonna uh, dictate how well they recover and But you can start them lifting at any age and exercising and utilizing weights It's very safe uh doesn't cause any adverse effects and an eight year old can go out and uh certainly lift some weights, but you uh, they're probably not going to get as significant a benefit out of the the um the hormesis effect um, than uh, someone who does have testosterone in their system, a young man. Uh, women as well, they've got to be really careful with their, their knees. Uh, women have a higher susceptibility to medial collateral ligament tears because of uh, all their activity, volleyball and soccer, etc. collapsing of the knee, the valgus knee, because they have a wider hips and a greater cue angle and uh, they end up putting more stress. And so they have to be careful to uh, focus on strengthening that area, whether it be lunges or step-ups or some squats with a correct form, knees over the toes. Uh, or in line with the toes, I should say, not over necessarily. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things to consider, but generally it's safe. And I like to start with body weight exercises, chin-ups, dips, uh, those kinds of things I think are great. Uh, hence uh, gymnastics, obviously, an awesome opportunity for kids to get both upper body and lower body uh, work and balance and coordination, flexibility. So all those things are uh, are great for kids. So I, I would say that, that once uh, a kid reaches... Uh, puberty that you can definitely start to uh, be more serious about progressively loading uh, their bodies so they'll adapt uh, for more strength and it uh, certainly will benefit all sports if they can uh, be more durable and stronger.
1: Very cool and uh, I was able to I seen you on the shark tank there you were able to score a deal on there and you mentioned you know you've been an entrepreneur for quite some time when did you kind of get that entrepreneurial bug? Was that always in you as a kid? Were you running lemonade stands or and stuff like that? Or did that come later on in life for you?
3: You know, I think it did start at an early age. Uh, you know, newspaper route when I was 10. Helped my mom at the deli when I was uh, 12. I uh, got a job at 7-Eleven. Was uh, stocking shelves and uh, ringing up folks at the cash register when I was just 12 or 13 years old. Worked at a pizza place. Helped my parents run their bakery and come home from school and, you know, wash pans and the like. Uh, So I've always had a a good work ethic and ended up working for, directly for some successful entrepreneurs. So I had an opportunity to get exposed to, you know, at the very front end of uh, property development, of telecommunications, um, being in a a role that that allowed me to see the decision-making going on and to participate in that. And eventually with that kind of, uh, intellectual property, I started my own businesses in similar fields. I used the expertise that I had. I started a telecommunications company as my first uh big startup. And then after that I started uh investing in real estate, buying, building, and selling multifamily, single family and commercial real estate. I had a successful run there. So uh I think it's been all my life. And I'm I am kind of my boss told me a long time ago, my mentor, <laughs> that that uh um you know, with respect to income, is when you're willing to take the risks is when, you're willing, uh, when you've are when you earned the potential rewards. And so I've always uh, just thought of it that way. And I've gone many years throughout my career with no income uh, and built up uh, multi-million dollar companies uh, as high as $20, $30 million a year in revenue. And uh, it's not all upside. It's, you know, it sounds pretty glorious at times, but at other times, you know, it's feast or famine. I'm eating McDonald's dollar meals and, living with three roommates trying to start up a business uh, and all people see is the Rolls-Royce and the multi-million dollar home, uh, they, they don't appreciate necessarily the uh, the hard work and the sacrifice to get there.
1: Yeah, I think especially too today with the way social media is and everyone just kind of shows you the glamour side of everything and not the downside. Um what, what about discipline, uh, Stan? What type of disciplinarian are you? I mean, you, you, you're an intimidating person. To you know, you're a very physical person. What, how are you as a disciplinarian with your kids?
3: Well, unfortunately, at my age, I'm uh, I tend to be uh, very, I guess you would say, reserved. I've seen it all, lived it all. I've, I've been had some great experiences in my life, but you know, as far as raising my kids, I just want to make sure they're capable and responsible uh, adults. And so. I use kind of a hybrid approach, I guess you'd say. Obviously, there's going to be some corporal punishment in there um, for things that rise to that occasion. Um, you know, any time my children do something that might compromise their safety or the safety of others, then uh, they're getting a spank for that. You know, I want it to be immediate and effective. Um, but if it's, uh, you know, if it's something that's serious, then, of course, we could talk about it or we can create some alternate punishment like push-ups. Uh, if my kid doesn't pick up his toys, he gets push-ups, not a spank. It's just not that serious of a deal. And, you know, I'm, I'm anticipating in the future, because I have a, a young son, and he's a lot like me, that uh, if uh, it ever comes that he disrespects a, an elder or a teacher or the authorities, that uh, I'll definitely uh, spank for that. There's no question. But mostly, um, I provide incentives and disincentives, as a lot of people do, just a reward system for their behaviors, whether it's an ice cream or a toy, when I try and get in front of it, I'll talk to them about it. And we had the kumon to do math If he doesn't like doing it, and uh, so we talk in the parking lot about uh, you know what the proper behaviors are and how he should do his homework, and then what treat he'll get or what punishment he'll get as a result. And we usually get good results when uh, you know when we get on the front end of it and talk about it before beforehand and kind of lay out the incentives and disincentives for compliance. So that's that's kind of how discipline works for me.
1: Yeah, very cool. What about screen time? I, I know they're young yet, but I mean, I know that they're watching the, the YouTube early on. How do you handle or, or is screen time an issue uh, at all in, in your house?
3: You know, I try and intervene and make sure that what they're watching has some sort of educational value. And that's not just, um, you know, ABC Mouse. That that, that uh, There's other shows that uh, I think provide good social lessons as well. And so, uh, they, you know, they learned to read and they learned their math and they learned the planets and they learned their colors and they learned their shapes and they learned an extraordinary vocabulary long before they were in school. Uh, I coupled that with, um, uh, I mentioned just a bit ago, Kumon, uh, which is a, a learning, uh, uh, it's a studying um, a tutorial program for math and reading. And I make sure that they read daily and that they, we do math daily. It's 20, 30 minutes a day, seven days a week. We do it, create the good habits to do homework. And I take them to Kumon, and that challenges them to, to do math and, and reading. So those things are important. I, I just, some years ago, I read a book called The Education of Eva Moskowitz, and she's a former New York City councilman. And she started a, uh, the Success of Academy charter schools back there in New York. And they were very, very successful, and i so I wanted to find out what she did and What she did was she helped kids and parents accountable uh and made sure that they were involved and She focused on repetitious reading uh and and math and in every day they would read uh It's what's going on in many of the countries that are far ahead of us in their education. It seems to uh learn more younger and more consistently in school they do more. Uh, drilling, uh, I think that that rope memorization is important. I don't know where we lost it. We did that as when I was a kid, lots and lots of drilling, lots of reading. Uh, and somewhere along the line, I know with my stepson, uh, he struggled in math. and I, So I intervened because I was always good at math. My dad's an engineer, and I found out that the, the fundamentals weren't there. I'd be trying to teach him algebra, and he'd be struggling with six times nine. And I, uh, I've worked with other kids in math who pull out calculators for simple problems like that. And I realized that that impaired their ability to learn uh, more complex tasks because they didn't have the fundamentals. And so I actually put him in Kumon when he was in middle school. And within just a matter of six or eight months, he was at the head of his class, getting algebra, getting A's uh, from being you know, behind and flunking. So uh, to me, the fundamentals are really important.
1: Yeah, very cool. Um, Yeah, I think education in itself, it it has definitely shifted a lot since all the technology. A lot of times I I struggle with that myself because my kids will ask me, why do I need to learn this? And they see me, like when I'm stuck on something, I just ask Siri, what's the problem? Or who is this? Or what's the information? So I I do struggle a bit with it.
3: Yeah, problem solving is important, though, so that's good. I I think this is net positive. I really do think it's a net positive. And in so much as they don't start um, hibernating... I'll give you an example. Uh, I travel all over the country, all over the world, and I do expos and I meet people. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times we'll get long lines and folks will come up. And uh, I noticed that a lot of the younger kids these days, 16s and even early 20s, they tend to not be able to look you in the eye, give you a firm handshake. They almost uh, respond uncomfortably to that kind of interaction, uh, almost in like, like an Asperger's syndrome sort of. Uh, social discomfort and I think that that's something that is lost if people get too engaged in social media, they forget to engage people uh, and so I'm, I work with my son even at his age to make sure that he shakes hands asks clearly what he needs, looks people in the eye, says please and thank you uh, and I've just noticed that that helps a lot, I was kind of reminds me of watching that Clint Eastwood movie Gran Torino when he was uh, helping that young Asian boy next door get a job. He took him into the barber shop to teach him how to speak, <laughs> how men communicate. And I, I think that's important. I think that children have uh, kind of uh, gotten softened um, and not learned to engage. Certainly sports can help with that. And certainly contact sports, I believe, can help with that. But uh, I think masculinity is important. I think that the, you have to develop confidence uh, in both young men and young women uh, so they can protect themselves and others and strive for success. And I just, uh, you know, I like the the American sniper uh, kind of prospect. The the how he taught his kids uh, not to bully and not to be bullied. He said that uh, there's three types of people. He said there's sheep and there's wolves and there's sheepdogs. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. And I I fully believe that. And I think I'm, I want to raise sheepdogs. And I think that that takes uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, of communication and discipline confidence, and so I'll use sports for that a lot, but also uh, intervene, and and with my personal example, try and make sure that my kids engage other people responsibly and effectively and confidently.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. I I hustle Uber on the weekend, and one of the encouraging things about the technology is that those kids that are between 18 and 20, you know, early 20s, they're not drinking and driving nowhere near as much as, unfortunately, I did when when we were that age. Uh, Because of the technology, they use Uber and Lyft, but once they get in the car, the communication skills, it, it is a travesty what has happened as far as being able to socialize and communicate with, the, uh, w- with those uh, generation of kids.
3: That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: all right. Well, you know, Mr. Olympia, world's strongest power lifter. You, you, many companies, you've had so much success already in your life. What is next uh, for Stan Efforting? What, what kind of goals or what are you working on at the moment?
3: You know, we're building another group of successful companies, uh, the the, uh, Vertical Diet uh, Nutrition Program, the Vertical Meal Service. We started a meal prep company. Uh, Obviously, the cooler is still going hot and strong. We just come out with a new product. My goal is to get my kids involved in that business at an early age when I travel to expos to get them to come along, have their own little part of the table where they sell their own goods and services, start to um, uh, do their own Social media uh, promoting, what you know, marketing their products, uh, and just get them exposed. Customer service. You know, I was 12 years old, ringing a cash register at 7-Eleven, talking to hundreds of people a day, and it, it just teaches you about uh, you know, interaction and social interaction, and uh, just that, that service and negotiating and all of that. And so, and learning about money and and the, the risks and rewards involved with that, and how to save it and use it and spend it. And so that's really kind of my goal is to see if I can um, give my children a a, a master's degree in in business entrepreneurship (laughs) uh, straight from their dad.
1: Yeah, very well said. Uh, All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Stan, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice could you give to that new father or to that about-to-be dad who's out there listening? (laughs)
3: Yeah, I I think the big thing is just to lead by example. I try and include my son and daughter in just about everything that I do when I can. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I, uh, you know I don't I eat, they eat what I eat. They they participate in the exercises that I do. They go places that that I go, uh, and I ask them to be. Uh, you know, when I go to, if I take them to McDonald's for a treat, then I give them the money and they have to go up to the counter and order it. I just try and get them exposure to uh, these kinds of experiences so that they have practice at it and I, I can help, uh, you know, teach them. But more than anything, I know that that kids copy their parents. And so I'm I'm careful to set a good example just in uh, my lifestyle choices and, and get them to come along with me and see me uh, working and interacting and, and playing, et cetera, uh, when they come to the gym and watch me train, uh, they, they could start to see how to, uh, you know, be competitive, be a man or be a woman, as uh, so my wife leads by example as well, with her uh, discipline and consistency.
1: Awesome. Well said. I, I love the message, sand This has been a real pleasure for me. I just want to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood.
3: Thanks, Alec. Good talking to you. <laughs>